do you feel some type of way about all these reboots and remakes of your favorite childhood properties that are constantly being announced? Do you want to keep... Fuck it. This is Nostalgia Cast. <laughs> I'm your host, who loves space ghost, Andrew Price. See a space cowboy, Tyler Palo. He is legend, Kelby Joseph. He's cool but rude, Louis Elvius. And Dad Beats, a.k.a. Kurt Pinchon. Facts. Dad Beats! <laughs> I, uh, I, I fucked that up. It's pretty okay. bad. I, I'm going to make it better by being the worst person. What is the he's cool but rude reference? I hate all of you. I know. <laughs> and that's not anybody else in the room. It's just everybody I am, he hates. <laughs> You are a surrogate for all of my hatred <laughs> makes, of all mankind. That makes a lot of sense. But Last week, Lewis did Machines, which was what Donatello of the Ninja Turtles oh, are does. You just, are you, are you Donate- uh, Leonardo Leeds. Donatello does Machines. Gotcha. Raphael is cool but rude. Oh. Michelangelo is a party dude. Nice. Uh, See You Space Cowboy was the sign-off uh, at the end of every episode of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. He is legend is self-explanatory. Yeah, so before we get into the stories, guys, I wanted to talk about something. I, I had something else I wanted to talk about at the top of the show, but then at the last minute, this thing came up, and I thought that this would be much more interesting to talk about. So kind of uh, drafting off of some of the discussion we've been having about like streaming services and why you know these reboots are happening. So earlier this year, uh, Steven Spielberg uh, said that he didn't believe that Netflix movies or streaming service movies should be eligible for awards or for Oscars. Uh, he basically said, like, they're, it's television. These are not cinematic theatrical movies. These are TV movies. Um, and they should not be eligible for Oscars. They could win Emmys but it's, they're not movies. Last week, or maybe a couple weeks ago, Martin Scorsese said uh, that Marvel movies are not cinema, and he said they're basically more like theme park rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, Theat- theaters have become amusement parks. Uh, that is all fine and good, but don't invade everything else in that sense. That is fine and good for those who enjoy the type of film, and by the way, knowing what goes into them now, I admire what they do. It's not my kind of thing. It simply is not. It's creating another kind of audience that thinks cinema is that. It's not cinema. It's something else. Um, So this kind of created like a little bit of a media firestorm uh, with a lot of people weighing in. Um, Jennifer Aniston also said that uh, she was talking about why she's been doing a lot of uh, movies and uh, on streaming services. Like she's been in a lot of like Netflix movies and things. Um, and she said that uh, part of the reason why she decided to sort of leave making theatrical mo- big budget movies, uh, not big budget movies, but why she decided to leave like theatrical films was because she saw that theater films were becoming just uh, a showcase for Marvel movies and it was becoming oversaturated and, you know, she wasn't being asked to be in those types of movies, so she decided to leave and co- go do something somewhere else. Kevin Smith uh, defended comic book movies. Uh, he said, uh, Martin Scorsese is a genius, but to be fair, my entire film career, even prior to my film career, he's been pretty much saying the same thing about action movies. For my money, I think Martin Scorsese made the biggest superhero movie ever, which was The Last Temptation of Christ. Don't get much bigger than of a superhero than Jesus. Um, he's, and then he got kind of, obviously that's kind of a joke, but uh, he said, my feeling is uh, Martin Scorsese never sat in a movie theater with his dad and watched the movies of Steven Spielberg in the early 80s or George Lucas's in the late 70s. He didn't feel that sense of magic and wonder. Um, I can still step into one of those comic book movies, divorce myself from the fact that I do this for a living, release, and my dead dad is back for a minute, for two hours. So he, you know, he kind of got into the, the emotional uh, resonance of it and kind of said, like, you know, this is cinema because, you know, it's about the emotional connection that it has for me of, you know, growing up and watching these movies with my dad. 
Uh, Robert Downey Jr. weighed in, and he kind of, you know, obviously the sort of granddaddy of all of these Marvel movies. And he kind of, he kind of, uh, he kind of said like, yeah, I understand where Scorsese is coming from. Him, Robert Downey Jr. and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. A lot of people waited on this. Uh, <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who uh, you know, you might know him more as a, a basketball player, but you know, he was also you know, in, uh, he he was an actor for many years. He was in uh, a lot of uh, uh, he was in some Bruce Lee films. Uh, Game of Death. De- yeah, Game of Death. Uh, and he was he was also a comic book writer. Uh, he wrote wrote a lot of comics for Marvel, and he. Him and Robert Downey Jr. basically said, I don't agree with him, but he's right. And basically what they were saying was, like, I like these movies. They're very enjoyable to me. But what Scorsese is saying is he's basically saying these are not high art or, like, they're not proper cinema. They are popcorn films. Uh, It's entertainment as opposed to art or whatever. And then most recently, this is the story that kind of made me think that it'd be interesting to talk about. Um, Edward Norton weighed in, and he basically said, like, no, this is totally false. He said, it's the theater chains that are destroying the theatrical experience. Um, a lot of filmmakers and cinematographers that I know that have really started to look into this say that the more than 60% of American theaters are running their projector at almost half the luminosity that they're required by contract to run it at. They are delivering crappy sound in a dim picture and no one is calling them on it. If they were delivering what they're supposed to be delivering, people would be going, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I do not get this at home. So basically he's saying, you know, it's not about Netflix eating movie theaters lunch. You could just get a better experience at home watching Netflix movies on an amazing home theater system because uh, movie theaters are totally phoning it in um, and delivering crappy presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I, just really quick, I, I kind of wanted to get you guys' opinion on this because this isn't a thing where I have some, like, really big opinion on it and I'm going to rant about something. <clears throat> but, you know, what, what sort of inspired me to want to talk about this is that Edward Norton quote because... Uh, you know, back in the day, I used to work at a movie theater and, um, you know, I was, you know, me and me and a couple of my friends that worked at theaters, you know, we were the type of people that like genuinely cared about movie theaters and we worked there because we loved theaters and we loved going to the movies. So we had a little bit more investment in into uh, theaters and uh, the presentation than some of our other coworkers did um, who just, you know, worked there because it was a job. Um, and, you know, I worked at a small, underfunded, second-run theater. Uh, some people think of them as dollar theaters. Uh, but it's, you know, a movie goes into theaters, and then two months later, it comes to a second-run theater, and you can come see it for, like, $1.50 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we were, we, we were kind of in this crappy, run-down, uh, old uh, uh, theater, and it was a second-run theater... Um, you know, my, our, our, my friend Michael, um, shout out to Michael, um, who was my boss. He was the, he was the general manager of the theater and he, you know, like me really cared about movie theaters and, and the experience. And so, you know, with what little resources we had, we always made sure we had the brightest bulbs in the projectors. We had the best sound experience. We never let the matte curtain, like, stay up whenever it was supposed to be widescreen. Um, So we really, like, put a lot of effort into the presentation and making sure that this was the best way to watch a movie, at at least within the resources that we had. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and I've been to a lot of big theaters where they just don't give as much of a fuck because... For whatever reason, because it's such a big machine or, you know, because the, the, the management just doesn't care and they're just more in it for, you know, the bottom line. And maybe the employees that they hire are just of a lower caliber that don't care about the movie presentation experience. But I've been to tons of really nice, quote unquote, movie theaters where the sound sucks. 
It's super thin. The screen is super dim because they clearly just haven't changed the bulb in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like the matte curtain not being lowered for widescreen or not being raised for for like full screen stuff. And yeah, whenever when you when you go to a theater and you got this shitty experience that just isn't even all that all that great, it's not worth paying fifteen dollars. You've got like little kids screaming and and running around or whatever. Like, yeah, you'd rather just stay home and watch shit on your nice-ass TV. Um, so I really understand what Edward Norton is saying. That I have a little bit of that insight of, like, working at a theater for years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think that uh, streaming services uh, are, are sort of ruining the ruining cinema, ruining the theater? I don't think so. I just think it's old people being old. Like, they're just like, I just don't want things to change. I hate the fact that Netflix gets a chance to get Oscars. Like, just make fucking better movies, Scorsese. Like, you made The Family last time. That shit sucked. Scorsese? You mean (laughs) you're lazy. Make more movies, fucker. Don't fucking... No, but I... I, And and Spielberg, like, just stop being so fucking old. Like, the the movie The Family? I don't know. It's like with Robert De Niro and they're like... Michelle Pfeiffer? And they're like some kind of... uh, He didn't direct that. uh, Witness protection (laughs) program. It's like some witness protection program movie. I don't think that's much. That's 100% a Scorsese film. like Luc Besson? Yeah, Luc Luc Besson directed that. I try. I try to educate... Director of... I will 100% say I'm wrong on that front, but... It's still just him being old and not willing to change with the times. Oh, I can like, see that. The, all the movies yeah, that, on Netflix. That's why I. They that's not, why I added this story because you know if you're asking like what does this have to do with nostalgia, this whole thing is another version of nostalgia. It's another right. version of people being like, this just isn't the way it was whenever I was a kid. So it's bad. Yeah, I understand what he's saying though because it is a different experience when you go to a bunch of strangers and you guys are all watching a movie. I know for me the first time I felt it was like seeing Get Out in theaters. And then, like, wait, do you mean do you mean Edward Norton's uh, view on it? Like, the theaters are just ruining the experience of movies now. I disagree with that one. Oh, you disagree I with disagree that? With okay, it. gotcha, gotcha. Because I feel like if it's a good movie and everybody's watching it, and there's a pivotal moment in the movie, and everybody cheers, you you get goosebumps that yeah, you can't get I, at home. Yeah, 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 but you're not gonna. It's not gonna be as exciting or or satisfying in that way if you have a super dim screen and the sound sucks. I think yeah. that I think I I want to agree with that, but I've never noticed it. And, and there's I, and there's and, like a kid screaming. That that's my only thing is like when, I think, you, when your staff in the, in the theater isn't good enough, and I would, I don't want to say like it's all on them, but to pick somebody out of the theater that's making a lot of noise, even if it's a child, to like be like I I need you to step out with your child because you're ruining the experience for everyone. That's what ruins the entire theater. I don't go to those theaters anymore. Like if they don't do those things, if somebody goes out and says something, it's like you have to do something about that. I I don't I don't re- I don't realize that the screen's dimmer or the sound sucks. Well, I don't. I don't want. I don't mean to sound pretentious, but, but here to, I go. But, <laughs> but here I go. To a, to a layman that mm-hmm. isn't sort of versed. You started or, or with or layman. Not. It's automatically <laughs> pretentious. It's okay, you guys. It's aimed at me though. It's aimed at me. Don't worry. <laughs> to, to, that isn't ver like isn't knowledgeable about the technical aspects of movie presentations. You're not going to consciously notice it. You're. It's going to subconsciously. Oh, negatively okay. affect you're not going to be like the screen's too dim you're just going to be sitting there and you're just not really, really know why but you're going to be like for some reason this is just isn't as good as it should be it's not a thing where you're going to notice like the screen is too dim or whatever it's just going to overall subconsciously affect your enjoyment of the movie now i'm not an old person but i don't really enjoy watching movies at home i i turn on netflix or whatever any kind of thing to watch a movie at home and i 
it, I'm not there. Like, I, I could fall asleep or whatever. It's just not really there. But I enjoy going to the movies. I feel like it's an event, you know, and I go to the movies. They got the good chairs, the popcorn, everybody's around. I just like it. I think it's a great experience. So I mean, I think going to the theater, I mean, I guess it depends on the person, but going to the theater and is objectively better than watching yeah. a movie at home. I, 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 think, I, I think. I don't it, think anyone's arguing against that, except for maybe like agoraphobes who yeah, just no, don't want to leave the house. I think it does depend too. on the person, though. It's like I, I, I would say that mostly I'm an extrovert, but when I do have like introverted times, I go to certain theaters that split the people up. Like you don't, you're not sitting right next to the person because sometimes that experience is not as great. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, regardless of how much better the experience is of going to the theater versus watching it at home, there is there there eventually will be or maybe has started to already be a tipping point where yeah, people are staying at home. Theaters. The, the the balance of how expensive a theater is and the the even, you know, the little effort that it takes to go to a theater is just going to get outweighed by the ease of watching movies at home, mm-hmm. the availability of movies to watch at home, mm-hmm. the fact that you don't have to leave, the pricing of watching movies at home, and the quality of the equipment that we can watch the movies on at home. There's going to be a tipping point slash there may have already been a tipping point where it doesn't matter if the theater is technically better and more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's like Keurig coffee sucks. It's objectively not as good as going to a real coffee shop and not Starbucks, but like a real coffee shop that makes good coffee Goodness. objectively. But if, yeah. but, but over time you might make some special occasions of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to step out of my house today and walk down to this coffee shop and get some good coffee. But over time, eventually, you know, in, in the macro, you're probably just going to make the cure of coffee because it's good enough. And it's just so much more convenient. Yes, you know, I disagree with that analogy. Yeah. Well, because first of all, I know food better than you. Facts. Um, yeah. What does that have to do? Hold on a minute. I don't know hang, if you hang, can hang, say that. He yeah. said the fact hang of the matter, on, not the fact. opinion hang of the, the matter. Because you're a layman. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? Um, I'm actually. I, I, hey, don't first be, of all, you don't drink coffee. I know, but I know coffee. Yeah, don't. And test I, I, I am extremely knowledgeable of coffee. I'm not. I'm not in any regard a layman when it comes to coffee. But if I drank coffee, I wouldn't. I wouldn't drink Keurig. Okay, but here's here's the thing. I feel that you can get and the, uh, going on what what Kelby said too. As the old guy here, I don't go to movies that much anymore because of the experience sucks. Mm-hmm. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to pay for IMAX. I don't want to pay for surround sound all whatever that bullshit is. I just want to see the movie. Yeah. I don't. Like, I don't like reserved seating. I think it's bullshit. That I, I hate. Hang on, I couldn't agree. Don't step on my. I couldn't disagree with that. Hang on, hang on. I hate it. It's stupid. This is not worth hang not on, interrupting. Hang on, it's not worth hang not on. interrupting. Do not let do not, you had your rant. You had your rant. This is the old guy going. It was better the old way when you went and you had to fucking find your seat yep. and you stood your ground yeah. and that was your fucking seat oh and you put a, you put a you put a coat there yep. to save the next seat. Oh, I moved your fucking coat. I can't. Then we'll brawl. <laughs> that's facts. That's, that's what's going down. I can't. Everybody's spicy today. I, I, like, I believe Kirk. I know Kirk. Yeah, I hate the reserved seating of like it's kind of an empty theater and you have your reserved seat and you sit there and then. There's another person right next to you, and you're like, dude, this um, is an empty theater. Just yeah. go sit there just because it's your seat. I can't stand it. Yeah. But to get on to Andrew's thing, 
That's why I'm like, when I will, I'm going to be like, well, it's just going to be on Netflix eventually. I'll just see it then. Mm. And I feel it's different than the coffee thing because I'm still getting the same experience. I'm not getting a shitty experience. I'm getting the exact same content. I'm getting the exact same movie that I've gotten in a theater as opposed to Keurig versus a coffee house cup of coffee. So it's a little Kirk, different. Kirk, can I ask you to, to just take a step back on this topic? I'm going to try. Okay. Do you feel like... These Marvel movies and these superhero movies, they, they're not movies? No, they're movies. Oh, okay. I do love you, those movies. They're great. You, the okay. idea, the, the, the concept, I mean, really to get into, to go into, I, I wanted to talk about just, you know, whether or not Netflix was at fault in some kind of negative way where no. the, imp, where the bur- burden of, of blame was on them that movie theaters are declining. No. Um, movie theaters but, are going to come back. But in terms of, in terms of yeah. whether Marvel movies are movies or not, the idea of saying that they're not movies is absurd. Yeah, yeah. that's like yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's 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 judging things by some made up rubric that is meaningless. Like yes. it's a it's a it's a thing that was filmed that tells a story and you watch it. It's a movie. It, it, it's a it's a preference thing, you know. Because I I definitely understand where he's coming from. It's like that old Spike Lee. Tyler Perry beef, where he's just like the stuff he makes is not movies, but it is. It's just you know, it's just use, bad movies. He's just different. He's just saying that he doesn't like think. them. Yeah, yeah, it's just different than what you think is acceptable. But uh, right, you know so that that's what I mean by they're just like being old. They just it's it's still movies. Like they're they're movies. I get it. They're, to everyone they're else except you. It's like yeah. all your favorite shit is just. Books that was for the made most into part, film. They or... probably think about it the way that Andrew was explaining those old TV shows last week. That they're just commercials for toys and stuff. Right. You know, because when you really think about it, these Marvel movies comes out come out, and they're not just the movie. It's the movie. It's Halloween costumes. Right. It's, it's backpack. It's product. That's just you know? smart branding, though. No, it is. I, yeah. Yeah, I get but it. But I think movies are gonna. Well, they, the thing that they're suffer, smart about the, the the difference between the Marvel movies and then like those those. That period in the '80s where they were making cartoons that were just commercials for toys, mm-hmm. is that whenever they were making those cartoons, you know, whatever you think of those cartoons, you can you can love them, you can think that they're great, but objectively, they were written by just people that worked at the toy companies. Yeah. They were not written by people who gave a shit about these. They, they, they were written and created by... They were they were written by people who only cared about making a commercial for a toy, and they were animated by just, like, overseas Korean people that were just given, like, animate this. Yeah, that's uh, probably how the, he sees the it. The difference between that and these Marvel movies <laughs> is they have made the smart decision to yes this is a machine yes this all this is all servicing this big business brand idea but we're going to hire people who genuinely care about these characters and want to make good movies and and you can dislike them you can like yeah. you can be like yeah these just aren't for me i don't like superhero movies i don't like marvel movies whatever but for what they are they are being shepherded by people who genuinely care about yeah. them and want yeah, to make a good product agree you can feel this sounds horrible. You can feel the love that's put into them <laughs> as opposed to just, hey, here's a, a He-Man Master of the Universe movie. Let's yeah. just make that and make some money off of it with yeah. toys and stuff. Like you can you can tell in the Marvel movies that the people that do them are truly fans and truly love them. Do you and think we have a higher caliber. Like the, the audience has a higher uh, uh, desire for better things. You know what I mean? Because the, the Marvel moment, audience? The, mo- the moment that something bad comes out, 
and we say it's bad, they lose money. So yeah. I think it's just a a smart investment into just being like, hey, you make real movies that people like. Uh, you know, come over here and and work with these characters that we created that that have a story, and we need real filmmakers to tell them. So, yeah. I yeah. Hey. Now DC films, those are not <laughs> movies. All right. Those suck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, reserve seating seating is objectively better than non reserve seating. No. And you just you, you just you you want to go to a movie? Then for yourself, you, you go online. You just be like I'm going to go see this movie. I don't have to worry about getting there early. I can literally show up exactly when the movie is starting, and I can still sit in the seat that I want to sit in. I don't have to worry about finding a seat right. and stumbling around in the dark or getting being forced to sit in the front row i just my seat that is exactly the seat that i wanted to sit in has been pre-selected days in advance or earlier in the day you go to the theater leisurely you just walk in you sit down and you're just watching the movie and if the the movie theater and if the movie theater is empty and somebody sits next to you for some bizarre reason you can just move and and just sit if the if the theater is going to be empty and that seat's not going to be taken anyway you can just move to a different seat and nobody's going to care the main issue with that is when you found a great seat and then somebody's like oh this is my seat it's on my ticket you see and then you're just like i got to get up what do you oh wait you like if you you know yeah, that's, that's you, I'm, you're I'm just picking with, a, yeah. you wait yeah. you're just picking a seat that Kurt. wasn't well, assigned to you though yeah forget assigned well yeah. you picked you should have you, you should have picked that seat when you when, picked your seat thank you it's like forget you it you go available. in after you pick your seat how you is know it not that available seat's, if somebody else picked it exactly yeah but if yeah. if somebody else picked it then that's stupid you should I fucking hate order I hate I hate knowing that I'm gonna my response to you is. Be a man and get there earlier. Facts. My response to just you is get there. Just get there earlier. Why? Be responsible. Why? Why? That's that. Be responsible. <laughs> get there early. Buy your ticket. That makes, find your seat. That makes no sense. Sure that's just, that's just that's spend, spending, spending, right there. spending extra unnecessary time yeah. on something for no reason. <laughs> that's other than like some an weird. That was like do it. That was like my 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 wife. Do it. My wife deeply resented the fact that Girl Scouts now like. Have an app where you can order uh, cookies on an app. Yeah, it's bullshit. And she and she was. It's not though. Hundred percent not. You guys because are so worried about a little girl coming to your door that you're no, not gonna let me, spend money let me, on an let app me, that's easier. So, so no, my wife's position was. My wife's position was that this is this is bullshit because they're not having to work as hard. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that the entire point of Girl Scout cookies, the whole reason why it exists, is because it's supposed to teach young girls uh, how to how to. Uh, run run a business and have and have like business ethics and 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 be entrepreneurs the entire uh world is on the internet right now no well not even that work smarter not harder it's not being successful is not about working harder it's about working as efficiently as you can the best the best most successful people and you know bill gates said this the best most successful people are lazy fuckers who just figured out a better more efficient way to do something and they didn't put a bunch of work into something so uh, the girl scouts making an app to sell their cookies is the literally the point of girl scouts it's being more efficient and figuring out a smarter better way to run a business so if 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 you force them to do the door-to-door thing when there's blatantly a better easier faster way to do it then that just makes no sense. It's it, it's defeating the purpose of trying to instill business ethics and smarts into young yeah. girls. Get him, Kirk. Oh, I just wanted to go back to the movie thing. Get him. Uh, there's, there's no getting. There's no. There's no. I just wanted to go back to the movie thing. I'm sorry that it's hard for you. 
I'm sorry that these sorry are, that it's hard. I'm for sorry us. that these are challenges wow. that are just difficult. <laughs> it's okay. not hard. It's not no, hard. It's for okay. These challenges, it's these not challenges hard. have it's been it's have not been handled, and you're unwilling to Thank adapt. You, is how, what I'm, I'm willing to yeah. adapt to it. I just don't like them. That's a man. It's, it's not hard. It's it's an unnecessary time that I can <laughs> cut out of my life. What are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna do with that time? Yeah, you know what you can do that time. I can't say it on here, but I know what I'm doing with that time. That was that. Yeah, that was for Tyler. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Agree to disagree, and I'll end it like that. There you go. Yeah. I hate agreeing to disagree. I don't. I don't agree with. How about disagree disagree to agree? Better. Yes. There you go. Uh, All right. Let's get to these stories. Will Smith is developing a Fresh Prince spinoff. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I don't know what it means by spinoff because there's there's very little details about this, so it's not like oh it's gonna be about fucking Jeffrey. Let me say uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm let me, let me say, let me say something about this. Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro did. That's an, not how you say that. From, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. So oh, thank you. Alfonso Ribeiro did an interview and they asked him about uh, bringing back the fresh. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or, or, or some, some kind of thing about it. And his answer was, I don't think it's going to happen because we kind of lost the glue, which is uh, James Avery. And uh, he First just, things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Thank you, Jay. Mm-hmm. And he, he, just, he just kind of said no. I, he, he said, not only do I not want to do it because he's not around, but it just, it just wouldn't feel right. So once Will Smith... Fun fact, James Avery was the voice of Shredder in the 1986 Ninja Turtles cartoon. Yes, this guy's is. all Ninja Turtles all the time. Synergy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so after I saw that Will Smith brought Bel Air clothing to my Instagram that I never asked for, uh, and then now he's bringing this show back, it just feels like, don't you have enough money? But here, yeah, that, that, that's, that's actually what I wanted to talk about because, number one, Will Smith has said the same thing. Like yeah. that, that all, he's he's literally on record several times in interviews said like, it'll be a cold day in hell when we reboot the Fresh Prince. Yeah. But the thing is, Will Smith and there's there's a there's like a there's like a Forbes article and a bunch of other articles talking about this about how Will Smith is like printing money with basically expanding his brand into mm-hmm. this big media conglomerate that mm-hmm. involves social media influencing. Mm-hmm. Clothing and merchandise production, uh, producing. Mm-hmm. He's he's turned his personal brand into this huge media conglomerate, mm-hmm. and this is just gonna be. This is another. This is why he's changed his tune about this because he's always said like no way, but now he's like oh this is an asset. Like yeah, he's been watching those Gary Vee. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you like it? Uh, I, I think I think something is really special about the timing. That that show came out, what it did for that time, and and not only that, it it came out twenty years ago, and it's still good, relevant, and and, and solid today. But are you just getting caught in that nostalgia trap? No, I, I'm no, not. Because fresh, if, fresh, you, fresh, if you watch Fresh, fresh Prince, Prince, it like there's two shows like that. It's Fresh Prince and Martin, which is now starting to age. But Martin is yeah, yeah. like when you look at Martin, you're just like, oh, this looks old. Mm-hmm. But it. I just feel like when you you make choices like that on something that built you to be this guy that you are, uh, I, I just think it's wiser that you build on top of it instead of building right next to it. So, I like that phrase. I I both I both agree with you and disagree with you or have a different perspective. I think personally, emotionally, yeah, you have enough money. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing any of this? Just be a impossibly rich person. 
and hang out with your family or whatever, or yeah. keep making movies or whatever. Why? But why? Why do you need to do this? You have you have more money than you'll ever know what to do with. However, my my intellectual mind recognizes that in a capitalist society, what more is there to do but to continue seeking wealth and power? I get if it. If you can do it, why not? What what other? If we're gonna live in this in this capitalist society where that is what a human being is valued as, mm-hmm. what other? What else do you have to do other than continue seeking wealth and power? Let I mean, me ask you this. Would you ever is? not see Will Smith as Will Smith from Fresh Prince? I don't see him as Will Smith from Fresh Prince. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, I more see Will Smith as Will Smith from Men in Black. And like that's that's Will Smith to me. Oh, okay. I see him as collateral beauty. <laughs> no, you're just kidding. Nobody does. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Hey, what what makes you guys think this is a money grab? Because it, it objectively is it, it, the whole the, like like there's a like I said I, I wish I had I, I didn't do enough research on this part of this but I should have gotten this article and and pulled some quotes from it but it was basically an article about how Will Smith has is been has been the most successful celebrity at turning his brand into a social I've, media I've conglomerate yeah. and this is all part of it he's basically he's basically turned his personal brand into a business. And that business has several arms. It has social media influencing. It has merchandise. It has clothing. That's with a Bel Air clothing line or whatever. And then and then producing. So this turning Fresh Prince into a spinoff or whatever. It's just a it's just a project for his production company, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just another asset for his uh, brand and his the building of his business and his brand. You guys think there's gonna be no love or? Real focus put into it. See, that's what I was like, I think. I think he truly wants to create a yeah, good content because he's like been in the eye for so long. He's yeah, like, but he really wants generation. people to like feel that he's still. He relevant. said so many times and for so many years that this is literally never but, going to happen, right. and he would, he would, he would, <laughs> he would, <laughs> but he, like, he said he would, like a, he wouldn't allow, a reunion. He like, wouldn't allow like the the rights and the license to be pried from his cold dead hands to be rebooted. He said that so many times to the point where you there's no other interpretation of this other than he suddenly changed his tune because well, no, of but the money. It's his production company now, isn't it? It doesn't matter. He's not when he's not he selling the, the rights, it's up to him to do whatever he wants with it. Yeah, I mean I get it. it so it, you'll, you'll make it, but it that it, it's it's just not it's not gonna like Lewis says, it's not gonna hit the same. It's not gonna be the it's, same it, thing. I, I think we don't know that. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't with Will Smith, sure. I think he's the only person that could successfully do it. Can can you name so. one one reboot or spin-off that somebody else did that's somewhat similar that you were like, "Oh, this is good?" Um the What do you mean somewhat uh, similar? Uh, yeah, it's like in a like let's say um uh I, I want to say Bewitched, but I know it, was, it wasn't called Bewitched. It, that was, Bewitched. Yeah, that was a huge flop. Yes, um, it, it's it was the show about the witches and then the the by oh the, charmed. charmed 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 when Charmed did didn't Charm come back Charmed didn't yeah, come they, back they, and then it was bad. I don't know if it was I, yeah, bad. I, I don't know. If, I don't. I haven't heard anything of it. We we actually at, my, at a at a company I used to work at. We did a bunch of branded content um, for that Charmed show, mm-hmm. so I was aware of it before it premiered because we did a bunch of uh, branded content for it. But I. I never followed up on. I never heard anything more about it. Yeah, more of what I'm getting at is yeah, the Will Smith that we all grew up with. Like, I I would like to believe that he wants to put his best into it, and I think if he does, it's it's not going to be terrible content. I think he really wants to like make it good, and and it may not hit the same like like anything, but it's probably going to be the best reboot that we're going to get. I believe I believe that, but I I guess also I would love to see 
hey, Will, you're doing fine. Your production company's doing fine. You've got money on top of money. Do something different. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. just do something different that, you know what? It's not going to kill you. It's not going to break your bank if it doesn't hit. Right. As we all know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, because it's IP, it's going to hit at least some part. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it true. just becomes easier. Just do something that's a little different or more original. But on the like the money note, it's like, I, I will agree to that. He's just not the same person, though. Like, he's, he, he has so much money, I don't think he can relate the same way he used to be able to. Which he's is, not going to write is, the episode, though. So. But yeah, I mean, it's called the it's, it's it's specifically labeled as a spinoff, so it's not going to be about oh. Will Smith. Yeah, he, um, got no. Jade, he got Jaden now, yeah. Willow. He could integrate them into the show and everything. I don't, I don't ever want to see anything Jaden Smith is acting in anymore. <sighs> Kelby's a hater, man. Damn. So uh, aside from aside from this uh, Will Smith or the Fresh Prince reboot, this is actually this week is like this is like the best week for me in terms of reboot news uh there's 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 multiple things that i'm like that you're happy about genuinely excited for first and foremost it was announced that hbo has ordered a mini series reboot of the maniac cop film series from writer director nicholas winding refn if i have a mind palace and if you were able to (laughs) meditate and astral project yourself into my brain and if there was a password to get into my mind palace it would be hbo has ordered a maniac (laughs) cop reboot helmed by nicholas winding refn let me ask you some questions because i figured that you were like a huge fan of this i only know maniac cop because i was alive in the 80s as a teenager and that it was kind of like a joke it was like a not like a joke movie, but people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to go see Maniac Cop because it's a very B movie, right? And when did you see it and realize it? And when did it go into your brain palace? Here's a little... Because it's, it's a pretty... It's not that it's rare, but it's... it's. Here's a little insight into me as a person. Ooh. I grew up in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I grew up dawn, dawn of cable television. Mm-hmm. I was homeschooled. Damn. I did not have any friends. And Tyler's like, duh. I had I I had a I had a very terrible home life, mm-hmm. and so my childhood consisted of sitting in my room and watching TV to try to drown out other things that were happening. I was raised on 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 TV. I had mm-hmm. I had a TV in my room. We had cable, and I had HBO. So my childhood consisted of watching a bunch of weird movies. Any kid growing up in the 90s had no business watching. <laughs> Real sex? What? Sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. That's HBO if you had, you know, you switched to the A side, Yes, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's, <laughs> you, a, that's a whole, that's, you a guys different, don't know. that's a different story. Sorry, but that's, that's a different Andrew. I had Cinemax, so it was all skin. Different Andrew. Um, <laughs> you guys didn't get the joke, it's okay. Go ahead. No, I, no that, but that's, that's a different, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different discussion. Uh, but I'm just talking, I don't mean like watching porn. No, no. I mean watching like, I'm, I mean watching weird obscure movies from the 60s up to the 90s that no kid growing up in the 90s would ever have any frame of reference to ever have watched except for the fact that they were just on HBO and HBO was playing and that's maniac cop so there are there are so many movies that i was introduced to from my that mm-hmm. experience in the childhood 
in my childhood. You know the you know the Death Wish series, Maniac Cop. Uh, you know weird 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 movie, uh, Dark Man. Um, ah, Dark Man's good. Uh, you know, just 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 B grade horror movies from the eighties like that Chopping Mall. Um, <laughs> Chopping. <laughs> yeah, that's a real movie. Uh, Lawnmower Man. Um, I don't know that movie. Uh, the list goes on and on. Maniac just, Cop just, Two. Just, yeah, Maniac Cop Two, Maniac Cop, Maniac Cop Three. Uh, oh my God, there's a badge three? of silence. Badge of silence. Um, Is that colon badge of silence? Yes, that's brilliant. Uh, and and so and so yeah, I, I I when I was a kid, I I I watched these movies on you know multiple times when they would play on HBO. I would have to say that uh, '80s B grade kung fu horror and action movies are my favorite genre of movies. And then you combine it with I can't remember pronounce this guy's name. He did Drive, right? Nicholas Winding Refn. Yes, he 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 wrote and directed Drive. Which is a great movie. He Drive made, is so good. He made I, uh, he made Only God Forgives. He made Neon Demon. Um, did you like Only God Forgives? I like Only God Forgives. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, so he is he is uh, he is he is going to be helming this uh, mini series uh, that's been ordered by HBO. Um, if you don't know. Um, this is the this is the premise for Maniac, the Maniac Cop series. So, uh, set in Los Angeles, Maniac Cop is told through the, a kaleidoscope of characters from cop to cr- common criminal. A killer in uniform has uncaged mayhem upon the streets. Paranoia leads to social disorder as a city wrestles with the mystery of the exterminator in blue. Is he mere mortal or a supernatural force? And here's why I take great exception to the idea of just writing it off as this joke, mm-hmm. because it is a B movie. It is a low budget. B, eighties horror film. Um, uh, you could call it a a, a a low budget genre film. You could call it an exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very hyper violent. Although the first one isn't even that violent. It's it's super low budget, so there really isn't actually a lot of blood or anything like that. It's it's really it's more understated than you would even remember. You know, watching it again. Um, but the thing is, is that. This movie, while while it was a, a low-budget B-movie horror film, it actually delivered a great commentary on paranoia of, of crowds and uh, mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, because basically, the movie is... The first movie uh, is that there's a killer who dresses up like a cop and just starts murdering people at night. And Tom Atkins, uh, who is a great actor one of the best uh, character actors from the low-budget 80s, 70s and 80s uh, horror and science fiction films. Um, he's, a, he's a police detective. He hears about this and hears that there's this person dressed as a cop killing people, and the police department wants to cover it up because they don't want people finding out that there's a potentially cop murdering mm. people. And so he leaks it to the press because he thinks that the people deserve to know. So this story gets leaked to the press that there's a potential cop murderer lurking the streets. And it causes this mass hysteria in 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 Los Angeles where there's a wife who starts suspecting that her husband, who's played by Bruce Campbell, who's a cop, he works the night shift, and she starts suspecting that he's the murderer because... He's secretly cheating on her, but she thinks that he's hiding. Mm-hmm. He knows she feels that he's hiding something from her, and she starts to think that he, it's the killings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a woman who gets pulled over by a cop, and she's so freaked out that she shoots and kills him. Um, it, it creates this mass hysteria and this crowd and mob mentality, and it's a, it's it's this great commentary on how 
uh, you know, rumors get started and they lead to chaos when people, you know, start to, uh, you know, be more afraid for their own lives than, than, you know, taking responsibility for their place within society and, you know, keeping other people safe. You know, it's just, it becomes an every man for himself, dog eat dog situation. And, you know, that, you know, that's, that's a very relevant commentary on stuff that's happening today. So I think this is, this is, this is, this transcends the idea of just being a so bad it's good, cheesy, like B horror film. Um, it's kind of, the topic is kind of relevant today, especially when it comes to like cops. And, yeah. 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 No, I agree. Uh, if, if you haven't seen Maniac Cop, I would, I would highly implore you to go back and watch this. Star, it's, like I said, it stars Bruce Campbell from uh, Evil Dead. We talked about him in the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um and it also stars the the titular maniac cop uh, was played by a legendary cult uh, character actor uh, named Robert Zadar. If you've seen him, you will recognize him, even if you don't recognize the face. Um, he has a very iconic, very singular look to him because he was born with this this condition. I think the condition is an excess calcium buildup on his bones. Mm. So if his face, if you see his face, um, you will, he, he looks very unique. He, you know, he was in a bunch of, uh, you know, cult, uh, eighties and seventies and eighties and nineties, uh, B horror science fiction films. Um, uh, but this is probably his most notable one. Um, he's, and he's, yeah, he's a very just unique looking person and, uh, he's great in general, but also in the Maniac Cop series. Um, I, I remember, I remember Maniac Cop 2 and 3 a little less. Uh, so I don't, I, I think as they went on, they got a little more like kind of over the top and, and genuinely just became these like B movie slasher, like slasher yeah. type movies. But the first one was very good. Um, so yeah, so, so, so Nicholas winning Refn is going to be bringing a mini series version of Maniac Cop to HBO. And that is, it's just, there's no way that's not going to be fucking amazing. I could see that. I could totally see that. Um, Maniac Cop two and three, are they copycat killers? No. So the whole thing about Maniac Cop is, uh, it's, it's really, it, it doesn't get into it too much in the first movie, but it's alluded to that. Like, he's like dead or he's like a like he it's it's kind of like michael myers where he's just kind of like the boogeyman like he's he it's alluded to that he's not just a guy that he's like some kind of superhuman supernatural force and in the second and third one it goes more into that where like he gets killed in the first one and then he comes back as like a like a zombie in the second one um and as the movies go on he his face just gets more and more disfigured and deformed to the point where like in the third one, he's just like, his face is just like, he has no nose and his face just looks very skeletal. So yeah, I, I'm super excited about that. And I would highly recommend anyone to check out Maniac Cop. I was actually just rewatching. Hey guys, this is Andrew, just cutting in for a second to say that I actually sat down uh, for a couple minutes with a good friend of mine named Dave Baker, who's a writer and a comic book artist and a Maniac Cop mega fan. Because um, I thought it might be fun to sit down with somebody with a, a different perspective on the franchise to talk about this reboot and see what he thinks about it. So. Uh, we'll play that, and then we'll get back to the regular podcast afterward. Enjoy. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so like you said, uh, I'm a writer and an illustrator. Uh, I'm probably most well-known for Fuck Off Squad, which is a coming-of-age romance comic uh, drawn by Nicole Gu uh, and published by Silver Sprocket, uh, or 
Action Hospital, which is the book that I write and co-draw with a bunch of folks. Um, and uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so uh, I-, I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I heard some movie news and the first thing that I thought of was sending you the link. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I talked in depth about this myself, uh, sort of on the main um, podcast with the other guys. But, you know, I'd love to talk about this with somebody who, you know, shares a similar level, uh, nay, maybe much higher level of fandom for this movie franchise and specifically the actor involved with it. So they're going to reboot or not reboot, but they're, they're bringing a, a mini series to HBO based on the Maniac Cop series of films starring Robert Zadar. The, the miniseries is going to be written and directed by Nicholas Winding Refn and uh, what, what, what's his name again? The, the other guy, the Oh shit! The Universal Soldier director guy. Uh, oh god damn it! I don't remember his name now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he directed the, you know, the later directed DVD Universal Soldier movies, and also the thing that I'm not clear about from the announcement. So one, I love Maniac Cop. It's like my favorite franchise ever, as we've both discussed at length. Uh, Robert Zadar is my favorite actor, probably him and George Lazenby. Um, and uh, the th- and the thing that I'm not clear about with the announcement is that it says that they're show they're both show running it and that Jabroni in Chief whatever the fuck his name is the Universal Soldier guy is going to be directing most of them but what it doesn't say is the previous version of this was a feature film that Ed Brubaker was writing. And, like, is he still writing on this show? Like, who is actually writing this show? It says nothing about Brubaker, at least in the press release that I saw. But it does mention the fact that... So this is the only thing I can think of, is that it might have something to do with that original version because while they don't mention Brubaker, uh, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn says originally this was a movie that was in development and over time as we worked on it more and more and as we developed it more and more, we realized that we had so much more um, things that we wanted to talk about in the world and it started to increasingly make sense to develop it into a miniseries. So it doesn't say anything about he just kind of alludes to it um, in that way, uh, in a vague way. So it doesn't say anything about that, but I guess maybe it is uh, sort of a continuation of what they were working on previously. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm i also curious if William Lustig is going to be involved at all. I would assume not, because he wasn't involved in the Maniac remake. And also, like, he kind of just seems like he's content to just license these movies and collect Checks, I well, guess. I, th- I I should bring it up because I, I I think the I think the article says that he is um, an EP on the movie or on the on the show, but that could just that could just be like a a, a vanity EP credit, yeah. like he's not he's just his name's on it. Yeah. Um, I listened to a, a really interesting interview with him a little while ago on Mick Garris's podcast, and uh, that guy just what a fucking crazy person that I mean just from starting blue underground and like distributing all these cool weird art house genre movies to like self-financing uh vigilante and maniac and maniac cop to like just like he 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 was like best friends with a mobster and a mobster put him through film school (laughs) like what a crazy life that guy's lived 
the way that they made the movie is they made it like ass backwards where they were all in New York or they were somewhere for a for a parade. Well, where does the movie take place in Boston or whatever? It takes place in Los Angeles. It takes place in Los Angeles. The first one. They were all. They were all. So, uh, th- this specific thing that I'm thinking about, though, did, they didn't actually shoot it in L.A. There was the the big like cop parade in the in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They that was shot. Insert place here. I don't remember where, but they shot it like two years before they actually had a movie. Like they were. Uh, uh, Larry Cohen and William Lustig were talking about trying to work on something together. And at that point in time, like uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Hollywood Cop, Samurai Cop, all these movies that had cop in the title were getting financed just because cop was in the title. Super cop. Super cop, totally. And uh, Larry Cohen was like, we should just, you know, you're the guy who directed Maniac. But if Maniac, but if the title of the movie was Maniac Cop, I bet you we could get some funding. And so they literally sold the Mooney movie based on a a name, Maniac Cop, and b. That's like if, that's like if somebody was like, "Oh, Francis Ford Coppola, you want to make a movie called Apocalypse Now, brought to you by Marvel." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and so like that that whole sequence where the where Bruce Campbell is like running from people through the crowds. And all the like news, like Sam Raimi was there because they were there. For yeah, the I noticed that. I, I, because I, I never realized that. Like I said, I think I saw this movie when I was a kid and I didn't know that. But like the newscaster is Sam Raimi. I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, like Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi and William Lustig and Larry Cohen all knew each other because you know him and Robert Tapert and all those guys. They would like, they did all the horror film and genre film festivals together. And they were wherever the fuck this was being filmed. That sequence, they were there for a film festival. So they were basically just like, "All right, um, Bruce, you're going to be in the movie, but you need to wear clothes that we can easily duplicate in like a year when we actually have funding." So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to this cop parade because we know the movie's named Maniac Cop, and you're going to be running away, and uh, we'll just fill in who's chasing you later. And so they made they shot that whole sequence not knowing what he was running away from or why he was going anywhere and then they cut it together and used that as a proof of concept to get some financing and then I think William Lustig like financed the rest of it himself um which is just so fucking crazy but also amazing and I love Larry Cohen maniac cop like that's some like bullshit Stan Lee shit where it's like people like maniacs people like cops maniac cop and I, it's also interesting to see how that that thing just kind of comes together where like without without Bruce Campbell, Bill Lug, Bill Lustig and Leonard uh Larry Cohen, Leonard Cohen. It would be amazing if Leonard Cohen wrote this movie. Oh shit. Um he did. Without the, you know without those three people, you have a good movie, but I don't know if you have the same movie without Robert Zadar. So, so the question at hand, I mean, is you know, what do you what do you feel about this? I, I, I get the best way to say it is reboot. I, it doesn't feel like it's a reboot, but what do you feel about the fact that they're sort of doing this miniseries? I mean, you said like, oh, it's not going to be the same without Robert Zadar, but uh, you know, considering the fact that that's physically impossible, you know what? what yeah, uh, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that unless we were going to reanimate the corpse of Robert Zadar or make like a CG Robert Zadar, which would be super offensive to me personally. Yeah. Like, I don't know who you cast as that. You know what I mean? Like as the yeah. as Matt Cordell. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I, that's that's the thing I'm most curious about. Look, am I going to watch the show? Fuck yes. Am I excited about Nicholas Wending Riffin? Hell yeah, I love that dude. But I am I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see how that will work. Um, just because I kind of don't, I don't really know what that means. You know what I mean? Other than like, oh, there's going to be a scene where there's like neon flashing lights and we dolly towards a guy in a cop uniform, really yeah. slowly. That's definitely the opening shot. One hundred percent. Just to talk about Robert Zadar for a second, I uh, he if somebody if anybody doesn't know Robert Zadar uh, was a very you know prolific B movie actor. He was in a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of stuff, like two hundred movies or something. And uh, he had a disease called cherubism, where his body thought that his jaw was uh, deficient in calcium. So over the course of his life, the bottom half of his face um, extended. So the longer he lived, the longer his face got. Um, and I think it was also exacerbated by the fact that he was an alcoholic. Um, so he had a myriad of issues. But the simple fact that someone who has a very – I mean we all interact with each other via our faces. And for you to have some sort of malady that – um, manifests on your face is is that's something that could wreck a human life, right? But Robert Zadar took it, took that empirically, uh, you know, what what is empirically a, a, a shorthand, and turned it into a massive asta and made a career out of it and made people feel happy by being in these movies where mm-hmm. he took this, you know, impairment and turned it into a boon. And I I just find him deeply, deeply inspirational and. Uh, also, a lot of times, I feel on the inside, like the way Robert Zadar looked on the outside. You've uh, got a long chin in your heart. <laughs> my chin, my chin heart just keeps growing. Um, well, no, I really do. I really, I really love, I really love him, and and he means a lot to me. Unfortunately, like, I, I, I wish we could have seen that chin, you know, sink down to the floor, touch the ground, but. <laughs> all right. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I was I wasn't even trying to be like mean spirited. I was genuinely trying to make a a slightly joking uh, tribute. Yeah, I him. mean, he, if, in case someone doesn't know, he he died of cardiac arrest maybe four or five years ago uh, at a convention in Florida, um, and uh, he had a pretty rough patch towards the end. Like he was for a while, he was a waiter at a, a restaurant here in Hollywood. He. Um, he was in some some uh, low budget movies here and there. Um, had some pretty bad health issues going on. Um, it was pretty. It was not fun to watch um, because obviously we want the best for these people who've contributed so much to the horror genre. But you know, oftentimes life uh, life is a bitch. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, thanks for, thanks for talking about this. Uh, like I said, I, I, I was super excited to talk about this. Um, I just love, I love all of the people involved. I love Nicholas Winning Griffin. I love, uh, Maniac Cop. Uh, 
I love reanimated cor- I'm not even gonna make the joke. I'm not even gonna make the joke. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna tie it back and I'm like, I it's not worth it. Chins uh, out for Zadar. Yeah. Pour one out for old Bobby Zadar. Yeah. Uh do you do you wanna do you wanna talk about the, the Kickstarter? Yes. Uh, so if you have found me um, at all charming and interesting, you <laughs> might be interested in the uh, pod, uh, sorry, Kickstarter that I have running right now for a comic called Night Hunters, which is a dystopian cyberpunk comic that takes place 100 years in the future in Venezuela. The high concept of the book is that in Venezuela, 100 years in the future, it's a police state, which means that if you ever want to run for public office, have a baby in a hospital, or be able to rent an apartment, you have to currently be or have been a police officer. And the book is about two adopted brothers, one who chooses to become a police officer and one who chooses to become uh, a drug dealer in a gang. And um, uh, the book is going to be drawn by Alexis Zirit of uh, Space Riders and Tarantula and Space Riders 2 fame. And it's going to be published by Floating World Comics out of Portland. And the Kickstarter is running right now. Uh, so if you're if you like weird cyborgs or cool comics, you might like that. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter um, that has five days left, or it'll have it'll have basically it'll have three days left from the time that this podcast goes out. So go back it. Third story. Netflix is uh, developing a Bone animated series. Um, and if you're unfamiliar, do you know about Bone, Stephen? I know none of these guys know about Bone. No Are you talking idea. about Bone or Bones? Yeah, we got 300 and some of them. In bone. You think they're, bone. You think they're <laughs> developing an animated version of Oh my of God, the, I would love an animated Bones. Of the uh, Emil, so Emily good. Deschanel and David, David Boreanaz police procedural. Just so you know, there was one point in time where one of the largest employers in entertainment was the show bones so yeah. it deserves an animated thank exactly you. thank you yeah. thank you it changed so many lives I, there's an episode <laughs> of there's an episode of bones where david boreanaz's character has like a brain tumor or something and he it's hallucinates that stewie from family guy talks to him oh really yeah really yeah. Oh. i didn't watch the show i've not watched bones but i want to i want to hear andrew describe bone and see which one I like most. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, Let's okay. see. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm open to both. Yeah. Okay. So go for it. Bone is a seminal comic book series um, aimed for the sort of young adult market, although, you know, it, it's not really labeled as a young adult book, but it's just, it's sort of found its niche in that part of the market, written in, and drawn by a comic book artist named Jeff Smith. And it is a, uh, is it is an epic tale that mashes together um, sort of like cartoon characters from the 1940s, the sort of like Disney um, animal character style cartoon characters um, with like Lord of the Rings fantasy epic. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically there's this village of these sort of like 1940s uh, cartoon character characters. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the main character, his name is, he, his name is Phone Bone, or Phony Bone. Maybe that, maybe it is Phony Bone. I've never thought about that before. I've only read the book. And he gets kicked out of uh, Boneville, which is this town that they all live in. And he ventures <laughs> off into the wilderness. And basically, the rest of the world outside of their town is this, like, Lord of the Rings style, like, Ralph Bashke-esque epic world 
filled with wizards and warlocks and monsters. Um, and it's his epic quest through this world. And uh, it's you know if you if you look at the book, I, ha- I have the I have the original collected um, uh, trade paperback. It's mm. like it's like this thick. It's like it's like the thickness of War and Peace. I know you can't yeah, see yeah, me yeah. doing for, this. For our but audience, that's not that's not that's not seeing this. What is it like? Two Harry Potter books? It's like it's like a little thicker than Goblet of Fire. Gosh, um, that's two C's. Thick. And and it is it is so it is so good. It's 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 seminal. It's seminal. Um, this is a book that I've that I read when I was when I was a kid. I read it again. I rediscovered it in high school and read it again. I still have I still have the trade paperback of the black and white collected edition. Um, and you like it? I let it. Uh, I love it. My I, I let my, my my sister read it uh, when she was a little younger. I plan on reading it with my son. Um, Just one of them, though. Yeah, the other one he, he's <laughs> on his own. Um, uh, uh, and they well, and, I love child. And yeah. since and since then they've uh, they've done colorized. Uh, editions uh, of them, uh, which I'm assuming they they did these colored versions to appeal more to kids, uh, because that's sort of like definitely where this book sort of found its niche. Um, uh, so they did they did colored versions of them, but I I, I really prefer the black and white uh, version of Bone. Um, uh, so so uh, the comic was first published in 1991, ran until 2004, total of 55 issues. Uh, one of the most celebrated comic book series. Um, it's been it's been uh, awarded ten Eisner Awards and eleven Harvey Awards. Critically acclaimed, legendary. The series. So they're developing an animated version of this for Netflix. The series will follow the iconic Bone Cousins on an adventure through a vast, vast uncharted desert and into a mysterious valley filled with wonderful and terrifying creatures. Um, Jeff Smith, the creator of the comic book series, um, he says, um, "I've waited a long time for this. Netflix is the perfect home for Bone." Fans of the books know that the story develops chapter by chapter and book by book. An animated series is exactly the way to do this. The team at Netflix understands Bone and is committed to doing something special. This is good news for kids and cartoon lovers all over the world. Uh, I, I'm so excited about this because Bone is one of my favorite comics of all time. And I, you know, I, I can't wait to watch the animated show with my son. So now question for you, Kirk. Yeah. This or the show with Zoe Deschanel's sister? Boy, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's hard. Based on just the... Uh, Graphic you showed me, yep. the artwork. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Bone. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm okay. gonna go with Bone. I looked. At, although what would be great is if you got the cast of Bones to do the voices for the. Oh Bone. yeah, Ooh. Ooh. that'd be great. Yeah. And, then, and then you got Bones on Bone. I like Come that. On. Emily Deschanel yeah. is Phony Bone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that is that a female character? No, it's the main character. Oh, that's guy. perfect. Yeah. It, it's a girl. Oh, it's, it's a, a guy. God, why? Guy, I, it doesn't matter, guys. Yeah. Why not running okay. Hollywood? That's he's like a little. He's like a little. Cartoon character, like he could have a squeaky voice. And then what's awesome? What part would David Boreanaz be? One um, of the cousins. Yeah, he well, he <laughs> could play. Yeah, he could play the what's what's the cousin's name? Oh, he plays um, both of the co- cousins dwar- actually. Dwarfy Bone, Dwar- <laughs> and Sleepy Bone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't I haven't read it in so long that I'm blanking on the characters' names. But uh, yeah, there's like uh, a, there's... I did I did once write a uh, parody of Straight Outta Compton in the world of Bone. So I don't remember any of the lyrics to it other than the very beginning, which was straight out of Boneville, crazy motherfucker named Phony Bone. Lewis oh, and I man. is going to have to review that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before, before, we, before we ever let anybody hey, see no. that, we got to review it. Yeah. Um, Quality control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny. I actually literally just told this story off mic yesterday uh, before I'd even decided to have this story in here. In fact, telling the story was what prompted Steven to bring up the fact that this was happening. Uh, but I went to Comic-Con this year with my, with my son Ephraim, 
uh, and uh, Ephraim is 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 an adorable child, and he was dressed in a Spider-Man costume. And uh, we walked by the Jeff Smith booth, um, and and Jeff Smith was there, and I kind of stopped, and I was kind of pointing out the Bone characters to Ephraim, and I was like, "This is uh, this is Bone. Like, this we're gonna read these books, uh, you know, when you're a little bit older, and you can understand them more." Um, and, and I was just kind of telling them how about the characters and how much I love them or whatever. And they had a bunch of bone uh, stuffed animals uh, or plush plush uh, characters. And uh, I wasn't going to buy them for them uh, because I just I, I didn't have any cash on me or whatever. Uh, but I was kind of like, yeah. And he was kind of kind of looking at them and pointing at them. And uh, Jeff Smith was there, which I played it cool like it's 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 weird when you when you live in Los Angeles or when you go to events like that it's weird how you can be stand you can just be standing in a room with something somebody who you've idolized your entire life and just have to pretend like it's nothing you just have to stand there and be like this is normal but inside you really want yeah. to like go like hug him yeah so i'm standing i'm standing like 3 feet away from Jeff Smith and i'm just pretending like that's a th that's fine yeah. and that there's nothing out of the ordinary <laughs> happening yeah um, but then, but then Jeff, uh, walks up to me and, and he's like, he's like, are you here for the con for the whole weekend? Uh, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, listen, we're not leaving with any of this, uh, when the con's over, we're, 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 we're planning on selling everything. It's all or nothing. We're not, we don't want to leave with any of this stuff. So if you come back at the end of the con on Sunday, towards the end of the day, and we have anything left, we'll give it all to your son. Wow. And that's E for you. I took like that was like a feather in my cap where I was like, he didn't say that to every kid that walks by. <laughs> he said it to the special. Yeah. He said it to Eve. So yeah. that's why he's your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other, yeah. other child you are loved, man. And I <laughs> yep. he got to put in some work, man. <laughs> uh so the next thing, uh, so they are they are developing a training day prequel. Yeah, they yeah. are. What do you what do you, what do you want to say about uh, that? Kirk? I got a lot to say about that. Not in a bad way necessarily, but uh, does King Kong have anything on on, on their original training day? <laughs> well, they did. Uh, they did the training day TV show like two years ago. I think it was on CBS, oh, okay. and it starred Bill Paxton. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Great actor. Uh, great, great actor. I saw two episodes, and you're like, hmm, "This isn't my training day." It's not. It, it's hard. It's hard to put it on TV as. You know, it was basically uh, completely different characters, but the same kind of like crooked cop rookie kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So now this one that they're talking about is the prequel. It's going to take place uh, right after the uh, Rodney King rides, ah. which to me sounds really interesting. And I really think that could be cool, except they already did that with a movie called Dark Blue with Kurt Russell. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, all right, well, let's just kind of rehash it. But I mean... I would love to see it if it was Denzel Washington's character in the 90s there, where, like, he's a young guy and, like, the start of it. Or was really? that his, son, his son could play story. Oh, yeah. 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 Denzel Washington has a son? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, he John did the... Uh, Does did he, like, really Clinton. look like him? He did what? Not not really. Mm, not, not not really. really. No. Oh, okay. Similar like, voices. Like, well, you said you said it like he could play like he could play as. Like, yeah, he his, could. You never he's an actor. He's Black an Klansman. actor. Black Klansman. Oh, he's Black an Klansman. actor. He's an actor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. He was like he's a football actor. player turned actor. You, you yeah. said it like he was like uh, Ice Cube's son. Look exactly like him. No, 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 no. no. no John uh, John David did Klansman. Uh, Black Klansman. Yeah, he's Black Klansman. He was in the show with The Rock. 
What's that called? Ballers. Ballers. WWE. Ballers. No. Not WWE. <laughs> uh, and he has a new movie coming out. That Ballers is like... I'm going to tell you who's in it. Ballers is like... <laughs> it, 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 if, if Entourage is one of the dumbest, most pointless shows that has no inherent meaning to it, and it's all just about, like, look at these badass dudes doing badass shit, Ballers is, like, somehow a watered-down version of that. I would like... That's John David. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He doesn't look anything like him. Uh, <laughs> I would I would say, uh, do with this what you will, but the first scene of Ballers is... Let's not get off on a Ballers. Oh, okay. I, just, I just wanted to make that... I just... Statement, but let's not <laughs> let's not bad. get yeah. off on a baller's tangent. But uh, I I would love to have uh, John David Washington in, in uh, the prequel, but who knows? And he's in a new Christopher Mo- uh, Nolan movie called uh, Tenet. Oh yeah, that's right. Huh? But that's back right. to this topic, I would love to see David Iyer come back and write something. Oh yeah, that dude's here. great. I love. Yeah. Him. What is he known for? He he wrote Tra- uh, Road Training Day, oh, okay. and he did End, End of, of watch. watch. He wrote and directed End oh, of Watch. So he good. directed. Oh. Bruin directed Suicide Squad. And bright, did he? Yeah, and bright. Right. Yeah. Okay, I don't care. Well, what he, he, he directed I really, bright. I really oh, like bright. bright. I don't give a shit what people say. Yeah, I, he, I he's kind of like so on much. the downside right now. But uh, yeah. Oh, and Fury. You, did you oh, that was that yeah. was good too. I like that. Mm-hmm. I love. I and uh, <laughs> he. Uh, I forget the name of the movie, but he. Uh, one of the movies he wrote um, uh, with uh, with uh, Christian Bale and oh, Freddie Rodriguez. Afraid, it's like out of time or rough times or tough yeah. times. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was one of his earlier ones. Yeah. I, I love most things that David Ayer has done except for End of Watch. Or, uh, Don't say that. Don't say uh, that. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Don't say that. Except right. for Suicide Squad. Okay. Yeah. And Suicide enough. Squad was like, what the fuck? Fair enough. Like, Are you talking about him as a writer or director? I think he wrote it. I don't think he directed it. Are you, okay, so he did U571. Training Day, the Fast and U571. Oh, he did. Thank you. Wait. And uh, Dark Blue, SWAT Taking Lives. Harsh Dark Times. Blue. Yeah, that's another one. Dark, Dark Blue, Blue, which is the prequel oh, the one to you Training just said. Day. Yeah. 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 That's, so he, it's he literally, wrote the prequel. It's Day, literally, I mean, that's great. Training, Dark Blue is about what happens to crooked cops. Uh, right around the time of the uh, Rodney King ride. So, oh, okay. but Hopefully it, he's involved in. It'd be great, yeah. but it doesn't have the Training Day stamp, so I guess that, that yeah. helps it. He did another another movie. I think I think it with was Keanu Reeves in it. It's like Kings of the City or something. Had the word Kings in it. David I. Yeah, he wrote he wrote another movie with it. Um, but that's the that's the training day take. Okay. Uh, Street Kings. Street Kings. Street yes. Kings. Oh, I do remember Street Kings. Wow. Yes. Um, I was gonna say. Oh, the thing, the thing that uh, the thing that bothers me about prequels to mm-hmm. things that have like a villainous or like an antihero character in it is, I feel like characters like Denzel Washington's character in Training Day or like Darth Vader, mm-hmm. like I feel like they exist in this vacuum of like this character is like this, and it always just comes off as unbelievable to of, to me to try to sum up how they went from like an innocent to that. Yeah. It always like it never feels realistic to me. The uh, a show that recently that had this had an example of this was I watched The Boys mm-hmm. and uh and uh, Carl Urban's character the butcher yes. like he's this he's this like cartoon character yeah. badass of just like he's just like a cockney who's a fucking badass and he says cockney. badass really good, shit. Yeah. And then the flashbacks showing him as like, oh, when he was a normal dude. He was a sweet he got, dad. I was like, it's just totally unbelievable. It's like, how? Like, I, I can't 
believe the progression of there to now. He just yeah. has to exist in a vacuum as like he's just this badass guy. And the moment that you try to show him as like this innocent person before he was corrupted and try to show him getting to that point, it just it's like it doesn't work. It just becomes like this a person doesn't do this. Well, what if it's uh, at least not in that sort of. If it's of a the time. Denzel character, you have to be born into that. Like, you have to ha- like that you... has to be imprinted on you from childhood. Then what if it's the Denzel character? He's like rookie cop, automatically bad. <clears throat> Boom, right out of the gate. That could work. No, yeah, somebody somebody trains him to be bad. Trains Ooh. him to be bad because they nope. see it in him. Nobody yeah, yeah, is yeah. nobody is born and is this like great normal innocent person and then just suddenly becomes like an anti-hero badass like you it, it, yes, it that it's in, no I mean, it doesn't wait are we it's, talking wait till Ephraim's a little older it's informed by it's informed by it's informed by the other kid it's informed by toxicity oh. and trauma imprinted on you from the time you're a child nobody's right. just like turns heel and becomes an asshole Wow. Then your that's kid, a, your kids are fucked. Like the Rodney King riots. Like the Rodney King riots. <laughs> yeah, but true. also in the in the boys, his 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 he believes his wife was murdered and raped by this person. That's I feel like that's exactly the catalyst to turn him into that badass. Like I'm gonna murder every superhero guy. Yeah, I don't know. I think the they, hypnotists say that whenever they hypnotize people, they cannot make them do something that they would not have done on their own. I don't think that somebody can go from an innocent, even with even with something like that. I don't think, especially in a short number of years, somebody can go from being like an innocent Boy Scout to oh, okay. like a fucking dark so you just butcher think- from the boys mm-hmm. type person. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, agree to disagree. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Kelby's working on his arc right now. <laughs> who, who is who is like this? <laughs> who is like what? Who? Uh, yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to say uh, his name. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the the uh, Kevin Bacon's character in Death Sentence. Footloose. Footloose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Walter White. Oh, but and, the, and, but, the, and, but that Walter White. The whole thing of Walter White was that he was capable of doing that from the beginning. He wasn't like an innocent person. He was everybody. A per- has he was a he was a person who who bottled up a lot of resentment and anger uh, because he was shut out of that company and because he felt like he. You know, he was better than the station that he was in in life. He was better than being a, a professor. And that was like, and he always, like, the the character he became was who he always was. He was always Heisenberg, and he was bottling that up in a sort of, like, suburban nightmare scenario. Just to wrap this up real quick, I had a teacher in college who used, who told me a story one time, and he, he said that uh, he realized that he had a dragon in him. And I was just like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But he was telling me the story of him walking down the street in the in the mid '80s in New York, and somebody came and uh, spit in his face and just you know said you know horrible things to him, uh, and that was a moment that he realized that there are things inside of him that he never knew he had. He picked up um, he picked up like a, a piece of metal that was just on the floor and just beat that guy in the middle of the street. I think that's informed by experiences and traumas and and that have been imprinted on him his entire life that he just didn't realize were inside of him and what and what i'm saying is in these movies is that like they depict these people as like this like in the boys Hmm. they flash back and it's like basically before butcher thought his wife had been killed he was just this like perfect boy scout like innocent nice guy and then like over a couple years he just became the this arch badass dark guy like that that's what i mean is like i don't 
I don't find that really. It takes me out of it. Mm, maybe. Next story. Mm-hmm. So so Elton John um, did a did a did a pretty newsworthy GQ, GQ interview, um, and part of this we won't get into because I just don't want to get into this. But he he had some choice words to say about Michael Jackson. Oh, I uh, about that. But another thing that he said was that he said that uh, the new Lion King remake sucked. Agreed. Uh, he said. <laughs> He said, uh, the new version of The Lion King was a huge disappointment to me because I believe they messed the music up. Music was so much a part of the original, and the music in the current film didn't have the same impact. The magic and joy were lost. The soundtrack hadn't had nearly the same impact in the charts that it had 25 years ago when it was the best-selling album of the year. The new soundtrack fell out of the charts so quickly despite the massive box office success. I wish I'd been invited to the party more, but the creative vision for the film and its music was different this time around, and I wasn't really welcomed or treated with the same level of respect. That makes me extremely sad. I'm so happy that the right spirit for the music lives on in the Lion King stage musical. Did you watch Lion King? Yes, did you watch Lion King? I didn't see Lion King, so. Okay, the first one better. First one's better. Did, 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 did Elton John write the entire soundtrack for the first one? Okay, and did he perform it as well? He didn't write the entire soundtrack. He wrote, he collaborated with a. It was a film composer and him. And then he's he's saying that he he wishes they used him more or or collabed with him more on this one as well. Mm -hmm. They had 90 million fucking artists on that one. They didn't need one more, and and it's not about one more. I think he's just trying, he's just saying that the vision. I just he's worried uh, about the, getting the, his part in there, like nah, because no nah, lie, yeah, he might that be. Lion Elton King John movie doesn't fuck about that. was so bad. The music oh, sure. was bad. The movie was bad. The story every, that movie is bad. The movie's trash. Right. <laughs> so the fact that he said that and he did it the first time and it was a success. People are still singing. Can you feel the love tonight? Right. Yeah, I'm gonna believe him. Is that yeah, song? Is that song? And then and, and you know this is facts because out of uh, all of us, Kelby is the only one who is actually going to see these movies. I saw, I saw. I saw it by myself. It's. It was so bad. But would it have been better with him behind? Yes, it? really. <laughs> he did it the first time. Okay. What I what I mean is like. Okay. What I mean is. Is there it, are 90, it, was it just the way there they did the music artists, that ruined the entire movie? There were ninety artists associated with the movie, and all of them together weren't worth the value of one Elton okay, John. Okay, but what do you do? You bring Elton John and you tell Beyonce she can't sing the song the way she wants? Yeah. The point that's what, that's that wouldn't what, have happened though. They couldn't di- have done that. That's you what can't, directing you can't, and producing are. You can't tell Beyonce to do that. Why not? Phil, and, and I hate Phil, because Phil I hate Spect- this as much as possible. Phil Spector held the Ramones at gunpoint and forced them to redo <laughs> one guitar chord until it was perfect. Uh, they just wouldn't have been able to do it. Why not? They I don't did see why. Do they no, they, they, Beyonce. She, she's hired. She's hired to do it. She's, yeah, she's hired. Beyonce would listen to Elton fucking John. I don't yeah. Think so. Hundred percent for sure. He hundred percent. You got to remember. What way do you think that he made one of the most successful uh, uh, soundtracks? Again, one of the most successful movies. And then when they redo it, it's horrible. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nothing against Elton John. I fucking love Elton John to death, and I love the first movie. It's one of the reasons I'm not gonna go see the original or ever see the. Or sorry, ever see the remake. And I just don't understand. Like, he's just old. Who Elton John? No comment. All right, doesn't matter. I know you hate him. Uh, a couple, a couple more quick stories. You hate Elton John? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh we'll God. Talk about, we're going to talk God. about God. God. But are you going to talk about the Michael Jackson part? No, I don't want to get into that. All right. Uh, a couple more stories to quickly wrap up before we take a break. Uh, there's not a whole lot of details on any of these, but it, you know it's worth mentioning. Um, 
and this is what I this is just further into me saying that this is a perf this is a great week for me in terms of news. Uh, so they're remaking the Last Action Hero, um, uh, which you know in theory could be bad, obviously, but you know I'm still intrigued by the concept of it. Right. I love I love the Last Action Hero. I've been I've been a devoted last action hero apologist for my entire life <laughs> because Absolutely. a lot of people say that last action hero was not good it did terribly in the box office it it it, it flopped um when it came out um it uh you know it's i've read a lot of uh think pieces and reviews about how it's just not very good it's like the the i think the the consensus on last action hero is that it's not worth the sum of its parts uh, because you know it, you know John McTiernan directed it, uh, uh, Shane Black wrote it um, uh, with a couple other writers, but he was you know sort of the main creative force, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that it just somehow didn't all fit together and make a good movie. And I don't agree at all. I fucking love Last Action Hero. It's so good. It's one of my favorites. Um, well. And so yeah, I'd I'd love to see. I you know we, we talked about postmodernism. Um, the, the last episode and like you know how much more postmodern can you get uh for you know the 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 medium of uh blockbuster films than getting one of the a director who directed one of the be, the best and biggest action movies all of all time the biggest and best action star of all time and one of the most seminal action movie writers of all time and getting them all together to write and create a movie a, an action movie about action movies right uh that, there's only one way they can make it better beyonce has to do this obviously <laughs> obviously i mean that's again. but no but, I, but I, don't I, let, don't let elton john anyone no, near it. fucking near it. i i 100 agree with andrew it's last action hero was really good for um like watching in, in general was great, but also teaching people about like what a trope is because it, it had all of them and it was amazing. And I think being remade is going to give them an opportunity to explore what our generation does with their, with these tropes. Like we're going to be able to have some really good conversations after this movie is made, I think. Which is that they, they kind of did that well in the 21 jump street movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah, yeah. did one yeah. first one. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. so good. Yeah. Um, Next story, very few details, but still exciting. So, uh, the, uh, Fred Decker. Um, the, the, so, going back to Tom Atkins, he was in Maniac Cop. He was in several other seminal B um, horror uh, and science fiction movies from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, he was in um, Monster Squad. No, he wasn't in Monster Squad. What am I talking about? Uh, he was in. Um, uh, uh, Halloween three, which is one of the most underrated. Not Squad. <laughs> one of one of the most underrated Halloween uh, movies ever. It's sort of it's sort of regarded as like oh it sucks because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. And Halloween three is regardless of whether Michael Myers is in it or whether it follows the story of the rest of the Halloween movies, it's a genuinely good film. Uh, but he was also in this movie uh, called Night of the Creeps. Um, which was a horror comedy that was uh, uh, written and directed by Fred Decker, um, who is a director who directed Monster Squad, which is why I accidentally said that. It was just I crossed wires. Um, he directed Monster Squad. Shane Black wrote Monster Squad, who I was just talking about, who wrote Last Action Hero. So this is, just, this is all just interconnected. 
Um, Fred Decker um, famously um, wrote a script for a Johnny Quest movie that was almost made in the 90s and didn't end up getting made. And he also, he also directed um, uh, the, uh, he directed the third uh, RoboCop movie, um, which was infamously just panned critically and commercially and kind of, kind of sunk his career. Um, but uh, the, he, I think his, his first movie was Night of the Creeps, uh, another sort of cult horror comedy uh, starring Tom Atkins. And uh, during a recent interview, Tom Atkins revealed that they're actually in development on a sequel, uh, Night of the Creeps 2, which is super exciting. Um, he said, uh, I would like to see Detective Ray Cameron, the character he played, become resurrected somehow. And uh, spoiler alert for the first Night of the Creeps. Uh, and Fred Decker and I, every time we see each other, we talk about that. And he's determined to do a sequel with three kids and myself. I mean, they're no longer kids. They're all in their 50s, but they're all kicking and healthy and looking good. I would love to do that again. I love Detective Ray Cameron. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not like official announcement, but apparently they're in, they're in development on it. And I'd love to see a Night of the Creeps, too. Um, just make Halloween Town high. <laughs> <laughs> if they're gonna remake Halloween Town, they're gonna not the not don't that you, one. Don't you come for Halloween Town? Uh, so the last story before we go for a break, uh, a a a a, uh, a Warriors remake is in development. Yeah, Kirk. Oh boy. Kirk. Okay, hang Kirk. on a second. Kirk. Dad so beats. So. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Warriors, you know Warriors because you know Warriors come out to play. Warriors come out to play. Uh, it is a 1979 cult movie about a gang from Coney Island that travels all the way to down to the village to partake in a uh, gang summit because all the gangs in New York have been like, Fuck New York. We're going to take it over. We're going to control the whole fucking island. And then uh, the leader who of the team of the summit gets murdered and it gets pinned on the warriors. And the warriors, quote, have to bop their way back to Coney. So they have to go all the way back to Coney with all the rest of the gangs of New York gunning for them to try to kill them. It was uh, it was Mad Max Fury Road before Mad yeah, Max Fury Road. Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, directed by Walter Hill, who later went on to do, right after it, did uh, 48 Hours. Uh, there's no info on this other than that it's in development, and fuck the people who are in charge of this movie, because if they update it, I'm going to flip this table and burn this place to the what? ground. What do, you, what do you mean by update? There's definitely going to be some yeah. flossing in it. Yeah. The, f- <laughs> <laughs> the dance flossing? Yeah. That's, 100%. Oh, my God. Warriors, the thing about, the thing about, join us in our, for, in our Fortnite server. <laughs> if you... The thing, the thing about it, not that it's a perfect movie. It's a great movie, and it's very B-movie, and it's a real low budget. But you can't update it now because the whole point of it back then was like they had no car. Because in 79, they couldn't afford a car. There were no phones except for pay phones. And the only way they could get anywhere was either to walk or to take the subway, which some gang members actually burned part of so they couldn't get back to Coney. So now if you're updating it, everyone's got phones, there's Uber, there's everything. So call the cops. <laughs> why why update it? Why update no, I mean, this movie? Is it still New York? It'll still be traffic, right? Well, here's the thing too. Years ago Warriors, get on your lime scooter. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Hey, I'm gonna get lime scooters and yeah. problem solved. They nah. they tried to do it in uh years ago, it was in development again with Tony Scott, uh, and he was gonna set it in LA, which is 
as stupid as well because then you just need cars because the the subway goes nowhere here. Right. I told you how it could be a good idea a couple weeks ago. Though. And I wasn't having it. Oh, okay. Warriors <laughs> ride oh, the no. red line from <laughs> North Hollywood to Union Station <gasps> only. Warriors don't take the 405. I, I want it. I want it to be like so far in the future that all the gangs have taken over already, and like they took. Yeah, it could be like it could be like morph. What's morph? It's idea. like it was like a it was like a it was like a science a future science fiction version of West Side Story. Yeah. Oh, it, really? was a, it was a play. And, oh uh, god. It was like West Side Story that took place in the future. Yeah. I'd rather see that than an Everybody, update of The Warriors. Uh it just update. So like if they made it now, what should it be like or look like? I mean, that's the thing too. It shouldn't be remade cuz if you're going to be like, well, let's set it in the time it, we already did that. You already did it in 1979. This was also a time Ooh. in New York where it was a dump. Yeah, the 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 premise of it just doesn't exist because uh Gang violence does not run rampant, unchecked on the streets of New York to that degree yeah. anymore. Like the, there, all couldn't, of New there couldn't position. be a They're massive all crooked cops. There couldn't be a massive gang fight happening over the entire stage of New yes. York City without it instantly being quashed. Yeah, and also you couldn't do it in L.A. because if they're yeah, like, we're going to do a gang <laughs> summit in uh, downtown L.A., there's gangs from like Long Beach. You'd be like, pass. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not driving down to fucking I'm downtown. I'm not, I'm not commuting <laughs> yeah. four hours I'm round gonna, trip. For a gang summit, I'm good with my gang in, in uh, L.A. So just, just the logistics of it have changed so much that I, I hate this idea. All right. It's going to come out. Put it on Mars. It on your oh, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be so good. I'm going to watch gonna it. You're going to be disappointed. More I will watch it. Than, uh, than our peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> Warriors. Let's take a break. <laughs> and then when we get back, we're going to live re- review some trailers. This is, that's nasty. And we're back. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, usually we try to watch like a new reboot, remake, nostalgic thing that's come out and review it. Uh, and and originally I I kind of wanted us to talk about the new Adams Family movie, but uh, I watched the trailer for it, and it just seemed so mediocre that I felt like it probably wasn't going to be worth discussing. Adams Family? Yeah. Can we yeah. watch it? I didn't see it. No. Wait, the movie no, or the trailer? the trailer? I just watched the trailer. Yeah, the trailer. Yeah, the trailer. We could watch it, I guess. It's right. not. It's it's out. The movie's out now. So oh, the yeah. movie's out. The movie's out. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's no point. It's a, oh, yeah. It's a right. thing Please. that we. It's the thing that we could have went and seen. But it's in theaters. Yeah. Adam Sandler. The yes. fact that you're saying this means we should not be. Yeah, watching yeah. One hundred percent. I, I mean, you would think that something so iconic, somebody would would have mentioned it. Yeah, it came out. It Who's came out. Uh, Oscar Isaac is Gomez Adams, and really? and Charlie Theron is is Morticia. That makes sense. And I and I don't remember the other ones. Wait, who would say it would? It sounds better as a uh, as a live action. Steven said that. Steven he said, 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 said that. 100%. Right. He said the voice acting so cast good. was the perfect live yeah. action cast. Except nobody can beat, who is it, Nick, uh, Christina Ricci? Oh, yeah. Wednesday. She was great. The, the yeah. only one I ever want to watch. No, I mean, I mean oh, Angelica I Houston as Morticia, perfect. Raul Julia as oh, Gomez, yeah. perfect. Fantastic. Oh, it's a cartoon. I've seen the for yeah, yeah, it's, it's animated. animated. I, I don't want to watch it. No, yeah, no exactly. Really. What? No you guys reason. don't like animated movies? We do. I, mean, I love animated movies. Animated like, movies are ranted, great, but it's like... I ranted about animated yeah. movies for like an hour or less. Literally, the, the first, the ones they made before were perfect. There's no reason to change it. 
and, yeah, the, and, and making an animated one that's uh, sounds mediocre doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah, I just watched it, and I mean, it, I don't know. It just it just seemed like the jokes were just like really. It just seemed very underwritten and like aimed towards kids in that way, where it's like, and eh, we don't have to try very hard for this because kids will just like it. Yeah. Um, so I just I was I just really I made the I made the uh, executive decision that it wasn't going to be worth discussing. Um, and thank you for that. So, so <laughs> right. but to discuss it a little more, it just feels like Hotel Transylvania. Yes. Moving on. Uh, so instead, uh, so a couple of trailers have dropped this week for some uh, some nostalgic kind of reboot remake type movies. So I figured we'd watch uh, a couple of them and uh, live react slash just talk about them. Uh, so the first one, which I've already watched. But, and I think maybe all of us have watched them, or maybe we haven't, but the first one we're going to watch is the trailer for the uh, Disney's Jungle Cruise movie. Um, <laughs> so it's it's the, a movie based on the Disneyland ride, The Jungle Cruise, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Mr. Jungle Cruise and Emily Blunt as sassy British woman. I've seen this already. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. It feels very much like it's following in the formatted trope of uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, to to your point, Lewis, this just seems like it's the Mummy. Ah, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. okay. That was just, that was what you were saying. I, was, I wasn't thinking the Mummy, but I was saying like the plot, the whole hair and Andrew just like describe it. Oh, word. Okay, rock, I got you. Oh, character. Yeah. So there's there's a couple parts in this that I really want to point out how just dumb they are. <laughs> so we're, so we're, we're gonna watch this right I'm now. I'm excited. He's now. such a great actor. <laughs> Legend has it that the Amazon possesses unparalleled healing powers. And the arrowhead is the key to unlocking it. When I first watched this, for literally the first two minutes of it, I thought it was a fake joke trailer. Why? Because it's absurd. Well, I mean, it's Disney. Remember when they came out oh, with that? that yeah, cool. but it's like... <laughs> I like that little laugh. Remember track. when they came out with that fake Crocodile Dundee yes. reboot? I do remember that. And it was a joke? Yeah. That's what I thought this was. That's so funny. They, I mean, it's like they did this with pirates, and it worked then. But I don't understand how this is gonna gonna go. This is the part that was just so dumb to me. I hate this because this is these 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 are just such inside baseball references to the ride. Yeah, of just like the cheesy, corny jokes that the Jungle Cruise um, uh, guides say, like this. Like that's just one of the jokes that the that's that the guides. Water. What does that mean? On the ride, there's a waterfall. Yeah. It's yeah. just it's just a corny joke. It's a corny yeah. joke that the the guides on the ride make literally every. Wait, are you guys asking day. what the what the backside of water means? I have never been on this ride. I didn't even know it was based on a ride until Andrew mean? told me. Yeah. You don't know what the backside of water means? What does that mean? It's the front side of water. It's the same thing. It's just water, guys. The, there's, the, there's no there's no the joke is just that it, the joke is that it's just an uninteresting thing right. that is not actually a. A sight to see. Nobody's actually wondered what the backside of water looks like. Oh, okay. Now looks something new today. <laughs> Honestly, this this just kind of looks like a, a spinoff of Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, it, that's but it looks. It's just the same movie. It's, it's the same. It looks very. It's, it, it's, the same it's thing. Jumanji. It's the Mummy movies. Yeah, it's shot on a red. It's part. It's it's part King Kong with uh, got him. Jack Black. Got him. <laughs> You saw this airy technology right here. <laughs> it's just so. It's just the whole trailer. This is. It's a very. It's a. It's a 
it's it's a movie that people in a TV show go watch. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. That's yeah. the yeah. most accurate thing. I think they're just doing it so they can remodel the Jungle Cruise to have Emily Blunt and uh, the Rock. The Rock fixed in it. I'll watch it. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch it. No, 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 no. Of I'm not. I just I'll feel like I'm at Disneyland because I'm always bored. Like, that, would, that looks it terrible. Just, it just looks like visual. It's just visual chaos. It's yeah. a Netflix. And it's just a movie. bunch of stuff. It's happening. a Netflix and chill. It's, yeah, it's you're damn right. I'd see it for free. I'd see it. For yeah, free. but you have kids, so uh, it's like, it kind of works. Yeah, you will see it for free. I will see. It for free. Even, look, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's that's true. a that's a misnomer because. I mean, I guess maybe some people do this, but I don't just watch dumb things with my kids just for the sake of watching it. Like when I watch stuff with my son, like I want to watch good things. Yeah, but if if Eve comes to you and he's like, "Yo, pops, JC, Junk Cruise, it's late this Friday. Be there, be square. I'm gonna reserve the seats." I would say, "Don't invite." You Kirk. step foot in that theater. You reserve <laughs> your seat ahead of time. And go to that theater, <laughs> you're cut off. Yeah, it probably it's you're probably out of the will. Get an 85 yeah. on Rotten and then Mill. you say, "Now sit here and watch Papillon." Watch what? Papillon <laughs> butterfly. Papillon. The Steve McQueen movie. I just oh, really aged myself. Quick, think of any other movie, and that's the first one pop in my head. Whatever is pretentious. If Ian heard that, he would be dying right Listen, now. Listen, he loved love Papillon. Papillon. I'm sure he would. <laughs> but uh. I show Magnificent Seven before I showed him that. Oh, as well you should. The original. For, for for you guys who don't know, Ian is our stoic uh, guy that works here, and yeah. he's he he's a film. I don't want to say snob. Snob. No, he's, he's like a film. He's no, like a he's film. a film snob. I, I mean, I'm well, again, I'm a no, film wanna, snob too, but you can't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> Quick question. It it's, it looks kind of stupid. I still I'm like, hey, The Rock, he's charming. Emily yeah. Blunt, yeah, she's charming. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm saying. I would watch it. Just do a different movie. I'd watch it. I agree with that. Do a different movie. They did. He he literally just tried to uh, kill Idris Elba two months ago. No, I just that's (laughs) a good movie. I I mean Emily Emily Blunt and Shaw. I was just just never seen it. That's that's a good movie. Yeah, quality. There's too much movies coming. No, Hobbs and Shaw is fantastic. Yeah, Um, I'm not gonna see all of it. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Emily Blunt was amazing in. Sicario oh, and yeah. Looper. There's not Looper. Oh, I, I couldn't finish Looper. Great Sicario. I couldn't finish Looper, but Sicario. You couldn't cool. finish Looper? I think I just was. I wasn't in the mood for it. Oh, but okay. Yeah, Emily Blunt. Who, who is she with? John, John Krasinski. Krasinski. Mm-hmm. I wrote my thesis and statement honest, in college on Looper. What? Say How did it go? Say it again. Did you graduate? No. Oh, okay. That makes. Wait, sense. you wrote what? I th- my thesis statement in film school on Looper. Did you? Yeah. Oh, word. That's what's up. So, so everybody's saying Jungle Cruise is a no, except for me and Kirk. Uh, Kirk and no, uh, no, unless it's free. To me, it's it's worse than bad because it's like bad is like you see something. It's like like we wouldn't watch Rambo: Last Blood, and that was whether you whether you gave it a two out of ten like most of us, or you gave it a ten out of ten like Lewis did because it was the best movie you'd ever no, seen. No, wait, 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 wait. We can't do this on this. <laughs> I gave it a 10 Lewis out of 10. Give it a I, 10 gave, 10 I gave it a 10, 10 out of 10 for what it, it was. I gave it a 10 out of 10 for what it was. Like, I didn't go to Rambo expecting, like, flowers and, like, butterflies. I was like, I'm expecting to see gore, blood, and just stuff that don't make sense. So it's a 10 out of 10. Lewis loved it. That's Papillon. That's Lewis's Papillon. <laughs> Wait, what, like, what, what's Papillon? What's, what is that? I don't it's know his old movie. movie. I'm going to watch it. I'm ashamed I brought it up. <laughs> I'm gonna you watch. Know, you, I'm gonna watch. Butterfly. It's a prison, but, so, but we're, we're, it's a you, prison movie. Whether you liked whether whoever you are, you can you have to objectively admit that it was a very enjoyable experience watching it. Yeah. Uh, this, Rambo was. 
Yes. Okay. Mm. We, 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 we were all we were all screaming in our seats. That was objectively yeah, yeah, yeah. fun. so fake, man. No, 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 no. I thought it was. I'm wondering how you're saying that. Like, I found it entertaining, entertaining because it was so bad. But I'm wondering, are you saying like it was entertaining because they made it to be entertaining? Well, here's the thing: we get this gets into a whole other deep conversation yeah. that I that I can argue with about for for so long because I don't believe. I don't believe in guilty pleasures and I don't believe in like hate watching something or, or well, I guess maybe hate watching it, but I don't believe in like the whole so bad it's good thing. I think if you watch a movie and you're entertained by it, it you good. liked the movie okay. and and you might have liked it for a different quality. You didn't like it because it was a good movie. You liked it because it was so cheesy or campy or whatever, oh, okay. but I don't believe in the concept of like, I feel like it's just, it's this pretentious thing of like, liking something but trying to distance yourself from it and like seem like it's it's like an insecurity thing where you're just I, like i liked this but like you know because it was dumb uh, <laughs> I, I i i just don't agree with his eyebrow for yeah. Yeah. Pod, podcast number four andrew yeah. doesn't like insecure people i don't i don't agree with dumb. i don't agree with the 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 sentiment behind that so yeah. if you if you watch a movie and you were entertained by it you liked it yeah just for a different type of reason but yes, I not because it was a good movie, okay. or because I, they didn't accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. It was it was it was ridiculous, and that why that's yeah. why it was entertaining. Okay. I was about to say, then that means I like I like Temptation by Tyler Perry. <clears throat> well, I mean, maybe for you it's a similar thing. I no no Tyler Perry ever, movie I've ever watched I was entertained by. Um, but Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Jungle Cruise pass absolutely a pass. Lewis yeah pass. date night. I'm not going there for date night. <laughs> you well, Netflix and show night though. But yeah, what I was. But yeah, if I don't have to pay attention. for the Joe Cruise, to me, that is not that. Like that movie is going to be a thing that just washes over me, and it's just a bunch of visual chaos, and I'm and it's not going to be enjoyable in that way. How many views does the trailer have? Uh, probably a lot. You watching it? You passing? Or you watching? No. I mean, yeah, the see, YouTube algorithm was pumping that. It thing has 3.4 million views. Oof. And this but is just read me. Read me the first comment. Just to see what it says. Wait, wait, are you passing them? <laughs> it just says first. I just want to think. All right, let me see. No wonder he's the highest paid actor. He's in every movie. Yeah. Oh. Jungle related movie exist. The Rock. Allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch it. I would. I would watch it if 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 the the if there was two other movies that were like sold out that week and I was already at the theater. I'd be, eh. I would watch it as the second build movie in a drive-in theater double feature. Ooh, yeah. What's oh, the first? Wow. What's the first movie? Happy Hour. Yes, Papillon. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch this. This Papillon. I watched it also, I watched... but that's a great idea. Uh, uh, an old movie followed by a yeah, new movie at a drive-in. That's that's a that's a good deal. It's a long time to be at the movie. <laughs> Wait, do you not watch both? Do you, do you go to drive drive-ins? I've never been to drive-ins. Oh, okay, oh. gotcha. When I was a kid, I watched. I went to a drive-in and I saw a double feature of uh, Die Hard with a Venge- with a Vengeance as the first movie, and then a a um, small Spanish independent film film called Mi Familia as the oh, second film. That mm. That's good. Uh, recently, a couple of years ago, I saw a double feature at a drive-in of Inside Out as the first, and then. Um, uh oh, oh god what was that movie it was another disney ride movie uh it was haunted mansion no it was it was a uh, it was george clooney uh oh, tomorrowland tomorrowland yeah that was a bad movie. would you guys say driving theater is a nostalgic thing i never been to one but yeah, i always definitely definitely yeah i definitely. think that's what that's the way that regular theater is going to go they're going to go the way of driving theater. It's well, like, I mean, going to go for kitsch. Well, kind of. I mean, you kind of are right. I mean, maybe it's it, we're, we're kind of in an, uh, an L.A. bubble, but a really popular thing in L.A. is 
is outdoor screenings. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a bunch of different companies that do it. There's Cinespia, mm -hmm. there's Eat See Here, and there's Street Food Cinema. And they and basically what they do is they, they screen a movie outside on a huge screen. Mm -hmm. It's not a drive-in, but you just sit in like picnic chairs. Mm -hmm. And then there's food trucks. Um, and it's 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 very similar to a drive-in theater experience. Mm -hmm. And those things are super popular in, in LA and, and other like I know that they're also popular in New York City and I'm assuming in other like bigger like uh, me metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. um, we just on a pendulum, man. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Telling you. Uh, so uh, the, the the second one, which I have not watched this yet, but I think a couple of you other I did. I, I need to preface this by saying that this trailer was apparently so bad that it turned us into middle school girls because whenever Kirk sent this trailer to us, mm -hmm. he said barf yeah. <laughs> and then and then Kel Kelby said ooh. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even watch the trailer by the way. I just saw the name and I yeah. just was like, nah, that don't look like Eddie. That don't look like Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Now wait a minute. Also hold wait on. a minute. Yeah. Because that is the remake. But it's the better one. Dr. Doolittle the Eddie Murphy movies were remakes of the real Dr. Doolittle. It's Jerry Lewis, right? No. it's Or is it Jerry Lewis? Mm. It might be Jerry Lewis. Who it's did original? not Rex Jerry Lewis. Harrison? Let's look it up. Whatever. But I've seen the movie, shit. but I don't, they, was, I don't know the actor. The I thought, I thought it was Rex Harrison. And it is with Rex Harrison. Ah. ah. See, I, I, I watched the movie and had no conception of who the actor was. So when, yeah. when when he said Jerry Lewis, I was like, maybe it was Jerry Lewis. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I never, I, I never even Which thought of who the like actor was. Oh, oh the, the Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy one, Eddie Murphy yeah. one. I mean, yeah. he blew it so far out of the water. It was it's just like that's really his now. Good. He stole yeah. it. So I shouldn't go back and watch the original. One. Nah, yeah, it's not good. really. It's fine. Yeah, well, it was nominated for an Academy Award, but it's a good movie. I, I don't know what this <laughs> hatred for Doctor Doolittle is. We love Eddie. Yeah. Uh, so let's watch this one. All right. No, I'm done. Yeah, he's just he's just the playing. epic music. Yeah. The, this this music yeah. makes me mad. Yeah, it's like it's it's so it's like Doctor Doodle is this whimsical tale of a man who talks to animals and it's turning it into this big well, epic listen, thing. Listen to the cover they're doing. You can't. <laughs> they turn all of these movies into these like epic things yeah. where it's just like this is yeah. not supposed to be epic. And the cinematography and the coloring is always the same. Yeah. They just look like they're shot on a green screen. Yeah. yeah, this is like... This just has that same... Just like These movies are all just the same yeah. movie. So this yeah. is why we lost Iron Man for this? <laughs> for this? This is what he's doing? I think I think this was shot... It's gotta be before. ...before Endgame. Did they really need to add that Did line? Did they just in? ruin the entire movie? Spoiler alert. Gee. <laughs> you can talk to animals? I just, why are they making it a period piece? you That's the part that sticks out to you as the worst? I don't. I, it's like you're... And then they have the same Please hair. don't say something dumb <laughs> like <laughs> you don't like period pieces. It's they not that I don't like period don't, pieces. Just just, don't, there's no reason for it. And it's, They have it's the like same hair and makeup from, uh, from his, his last movie when he, when he was back in those days. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock oh yeah, Holmes. that's what I was yeah. thinking. It looks just like another it's Sherlock exact Holmes. Exactly. Yeah, like was, this is this is some really not good. I'm, I'm sorry that you can't see this, Stephen. I don't he's think not. So. I'm not sorry. Yeah, you're Stephen welcome, Stephen. Like Stephen D is good. What a wonderful. I want whoever's saying that cover to be canceled. 
let's just do this right now. Lewis, date night. Hell no. Nope. Hell no. Tyler, date night. No. Uh, 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 Andrew, Eve says, this yo. This is breakup night. Yeah, this, <laughs> is, this, is, this is whenever I present my wife with the divorce papers. Don't pass that. Eve, Eve comes to you and he says, yo, <laughs> we're going. You? No. 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 Kurt? No. Even free? No. Wow. Not even free when I did that. That's disturbing. Not even Robert free. Downing Jr. And this looks... Garbage. I would take Tropic Thunder 2 over this. Stop. <laughs> I, yeah. I, we cannot talk. Jungle Cruise easily over this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, a good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'd yeah. watch Jungle Cruise. Gun to head. Andrew, what do you see? Oh, oh yeah. 100% Jungle Cruise. Oh, that is okay. Yeah. Wait, wait. Oh, gun to head? Shoot me. No, no, you don't have to. <laughs> so you want to be killed. Yeah, you have to. Oh, I got to pick one. He didn't even bring the movies into it. He was just like, yo, we're, like, having, a, we're having a killing party. He's just like, I'm I there. want to die. I would do I 100 Jungle Cruise. Yeah. yeah. Lou? Jungle Cruise, cool, uh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and there's some added stuff. I, I didn't go. I didn't do. So there was a story that I. There was a news. Or there was an article about. A little movie. What? I will watch that doctor. No. You really really? No. Yeah. And I would watch it. I would watch it only. I will watch it only so I can know for sure why I hate it. What? I don't think I, but I, I, I don't think I'm you're gonna those people. I think if you watch it, there's not gonna be any kind of thing. Like you're just gonna be like, yeah, I watched it. And like it's one of those movies, like I said, like what what I was saying with Jungle Cruise, and this is just an even worse version of it. I think if you went and saw it, it would just wash over you and you would just kind of be like there, there would be nothing worth even talking about. You would just be like, I, you just, it was so bland and mediocre that I don't even have a thing to say about it. It'll get a higher uh, Rotten Tomatoes. They made it too dramatic. You seen all the animal and animal violence? <laughs> it doesn't need oh, it. Man, stop CGI that animal on animal violence. Nobody said yeah. anything with Leo fought the bear. Lou's not having it. I'm not having it. He didn't bear. fight the bear. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta keep the. Nah. Uh, so, so, the, so we'll we'll cover. We'll we're gonna. Do a special thing, and then after that, we're gonna wrap up the show and go through a, qu- a few quick stories. But before we wrap up the show with a few quick stories, Kirk has a special presentation. Yes, uh, we're gonna do something very, very special uh, that relates to nostalgia and is very dear to my heart. So, uh, I think it was last week, or uh, yeah, roughly around uh, last week, uh, Morse Day. The lead singer of the time came out with an autobiography, and it's called On Time, A Princely Life in Funk. So um, for those of you who don't know, Prince uh, invented the time. Uh, it's his side project that he did, and they did Jungle Love. Of course, you guys know Jungle Love. They oh, we, oh, we, oh. And um, so here's the thing about this autobiography. It's a different type of autobiography in the sense that Morris Day makes up a fake conversation with Dead Prince and puts it in his book. So essentially, it's an autobiography. And then at certain points, Dead Prince will interrupt the autobiography to have a conversation with Morris Day about what Morris Day has just written in this autobiography. So what we're going to do with the help of Kelby is we're going to read... Uh, one of these excerpts from On Time, A Princely Life in Funk, where Morris Day, played by myself, and Prince, played by Kelby, hmm. talk to each other in the middle of the autobiography. So again, this is a made-up dialogue. This never happened. This is Morris, as he writes his autobiography, 
having a fake conversation with dead prince. Lights up. Then what are you going to do about it? Right about you, bro. That means you'll be putting words in my mouth. You'll give me those words. But that means you get to make up and twist my words. Promise I'll be true to you. Still nervous about this whole situation. I don't like how you can write this thing up any way you want to. You got a power I no longer have. You ain't lost none of your power. I feel you. I know you. Wrong. No one really knows me. Shit. I know your silly ass as well as anyone. We've been knowing each other since we were kids. I feel like you're a part of me. Scene. Good God. Ooh. Oh, God. So that that's needs to be workshopped. literally <laughs> in the book. So that. what happens is Morse will say stuff like, Oh, yeah, so I started out as a, a, a drummer, and uh, Prince asked me to be in his band. And then all of a sudden, it'll stop, and it'll go into this dialogue of Prince going, dead Prince going, uh, no, 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 man, that's not how it went. You begged to be in the band. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. And that's the autobiography. Am I going to buy it and read it? Yes, because it will be great. You don't have to beg to be in the band. Oh, yep. that's what he looks like? That's Morris. Oh, man. Yeah, man. I could. He could channel. He kind of looks. Prince. He kind of looks princely. Who's the guy uh, in Big Mouth? There's like a ghost character. It's the ghost of. Oh, okay, I forgot his name. What are you talking about? Yeah, he looks like him more than anything. Oh. So, uh, thank you. Help us out, Kelps. Yep. Big Mouth. So uh, a couple more stories before we before we wrap up today. So Chuck a, Berry. Oh, I'm sorry, Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Oh, I could see that. Mm. Old Old Moore State looking like Duke Ellington. Mm. That's, that's fair. A company called Analog is releasing a uh, retro um, handheld gaming device called the Analog Pocket. It is a uh, a, a handheld gaming device with a um, where was it a sixteen hundred by fourteen forty resolution screen, ten time uh, a very high definition screen with a FPGA chip in it. And it plays any Game Boy, Game Boy Color, or Game Boy Advance game. And there's an adapter that you can get for it to also be able to play any uh, Sega Game Gear or Neo Geo Pocket game. Um, it is a you know a small form factor handheld device. It looks basically like a Game Boy to play all of your old favorite uh, Game Boy games um, that you may still have left over. Um, <laughs> now, so just a way for everyone to play Pokemon Red. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you know, if if you're if you're if you have a bunch of old uh, Game Boy games and you don't have for whatever reason don't have a Game Boy or you for whatever reason want to consolidate um, all of your Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and uh, Game Boy Advance games in, to be able to play be played on one system, uh, you can get the Analog Pocket releasing uh, sometime in 2020 for two hundred dollars. Oh, no. Don't what? don't they just have emulators that you can download well, onto your so, phone? So like, yes, but the distinction between this is. The analog pocket, um, it has an FPGA chip, which yeah, is, is which is a um, a piece. It's a chip. It's a piece of hardware that acts um, uh, as if it is a Game Boy or a Game Boy Pocket or a Game Boy Advance. So it's not emulating. It's actually playing the games through the hardware. So the issue with emulators, whether you play them on your computer or on a phone or some of these devices that are emulation devices is uh, software emulation is not perfect. So some games don't work on emulators 
and also some games have really bad performance issues, graphical issues or frame rate issues. Uh, emulation is a very flawed um, way of playing these games. Um, and for the most part, you know, especially when it's free, it's like, you know, Who beggar, beggars yeah. can't be choosers. You, yeah. you know, you're probably going right. to be fine with it. Um, but, you know, for what it's worth, this game, this system does not uh, act as software emulation. It is actually playing the games through the hardware. So you can play any game and there will be no performance issues whatsoever. It'll, okay. be, it'll be exactly the same as playing it on your original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, or Game Boy Advance, only with a high-definition screen that is 10 times the re- resolution of an actual Game Boy. Did you have a Game Boy, Kirk? But no. It's, oh, the, those old games are all made in, like, uh, I don't want to say 8-bit, because that seems like it's not enough, but it, it's like... The original Game Boy um, was uh, less than 8-bit. I think so. What or, I mean is, like, what's or the maybe point it was of putting exactly it on a, a such a high res? Uh, well, that's the th- so. So my just... my opinion on this is uh, definitely not worth two hundred dollars because number one, the high definition screen is kind of meaningless because no matter what, <laughs> yeah. these these games are not going to be enhanced by a high definition screen. In fact, if you play if you play some like older uh, the older games like stuff for the Nintendo, the NES, the the the, the SNES. Uh, the Game Boy, you know, these these games were designed to be played on um, CRT televisions, um, where that were you know much more blurry than the high definition screens. So they were sort of designed to be played on these screens that were a little bit more blurry to hide some of the flaws and hide some of the hard edges of the pixels. Pixels. So sometimes when you play old retro games on high definition monitors and TVs it actually looks shittier because they're so crisp that you see all of the flaws and you see, you know, the, the, it's just, it's a, it's a worse, it's actually a worse experience playing the game than when you played it on an old TV. How do you notice? You, worked at you never plugged what do you in, mean? You never plugged in like an old game system into your new TV? Like, nah. or even those, even those, like those ones where they sell like 17 games in one console. I grew up, I mean, I grew up playing, I grew up playing ROMs on emulators on computer monitors. Like, and and I and I've and I've played a lot of them recently. I I, I have a uh, I have one of what you're talking about, um, and yeah, it's just and and also there's some games that have been ported to like the Nintendo Switch or whatever that are like old games from the from the Super Nintendo or whatever, and it's just you know they just it, they don't look as good because the screens are just too good for the game because they were not designed to be displayed on a screen like that. Yeah, if you were like, this is going to be $90, I probably wouldn't have said it. But $200 for that? Like, yeah, it's just... definitely don't think it's worth I it for me. $30. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds more accurate. Like, just fucking re-release a Game Boy. That's all we really want. Yeah, especially because you could just get a Game Boy Advance that plays Game Boy Color games. Like, go on eBay and get a Game Boy Advance SP. That's all you need. How much do you think that is? 80 bucks. 80 bucks. That's what I All right, need. keep going. I'm going to find it. Uh, yeah, just re-release, like, um, Did you have a Digimon. Re-release the Digimon no. uh, little hand I haven't followed this whole conversation. Like they have released the Digimon. so lost. <laughs> the little games no you idea play with all your on. friends, how you, like, collect and, and yeah, play the, it on the little In the last thing? couple of years, they've tried to bring back Tamagotchi and Digimon, oh, and, like, uh, it didn't. It just kind of didn't work, but they, oh, they did reboot those those toy lines. But do you think it could work if they put it on a cell phone, like a Gigapet, like, every day you wake up, you have to manage this on your cell phone? I feel like that's just Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The yeah. the new version of that is Animal Crossing or these like living simulator games, right. Harvest Moon or whatever. Like the 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 that's what you do if you, if you're gonna play a game like that. You're not gonna play Tamagotchi. You're gonna play you're gonna play Harvest Moon. And again, it, it, the, or or uh, I mean I mean Animal Crossing. 
it would, I don't even think it would do well if, if they released it as a phone app anymore. Like it, you, I'm, I'm sure like, the, I'm sure they do have it. Oh, I'm but, sure, yeah. I just mean if you, I want like an old Tamagotchi egg that I can keep on my uh, on my little keychain keychain, and I could look at it like that. That's half nostalgia, half like fun for me. Okay, I'm seeing the uh, price of a Game Boy Advance SP ranging from uh, thirty nine dollars on eBay. Um, sixty dollars at GameStop. Amazon has it for about one twenty nine, and the most expensive one is a SpongeBob Yellow that is four thousand dollars. See, uh, okay, you can get you can get one for forty bucks that does the exact same thing as this with the bells and whistles that this thing has that are completely unnecessary. Uh, really, so really quick, so uh, Disney released the complete library of what's going to be on Disney Plus day one launch. And I went through and I cherry picked uh, some recommendations. If you if if uh, if you are going to get Disney Plus, or if you're on the fence about getting Disney Plus, and I can in any way sway you to potentially get Disney Plus, these are some movies. I went through and I just picked all the movies that I saw that, uh, for whatever reason, throughout my life I've seen, and I would highly recommend uh, watching. That you know, there's going to be a ton of new stuff on Disney Plus. They're launching all these Marvel shows and. And these reboots of Home Alone and all these all these new things that are going to be on there, and that's all well and fine. But the really exciting thing about Disney Plus is the back catalog of stuff that's going to be on there. So I'm going to quickly go. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to quickly go through a bunch of things that I saw in there that I would highly recommend that you watch if you get Disney Plus. Treasure Island, 1950. <coughs> Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, 1954. Old Yeller, 1957. The Sign of Zorro, or any of the Zorro movies. Journey to the Center of the Earth. The Absent-Minded Professor, 1961, which is the original movie that the, that Flubber uh, with Robin Williams was was a remake of. Gotcha. The Parent Trap from 1961, which is the movie that the 1998 movie was a remake of, which is also going to be on Disney+. Plus. Mary Poppins, 1964. That Darn Cat, 1965. It was remade into a movie with Christina Ricci in the 90s, but this is the original film. Very good. Blackbeard's Ghost, 1968. Uh, the Computer War Tennis Shoes, uh, 1969. This was uh, the first, I forget if this one was it. There was a, a number of movies, but I think this was the first uh, movie that Kurt Russell was ever in. Um, and it's about a high schooler that gets zapped and he gets the um, intelligence of a computer. Uh, very good. Bedknobs and Broomsticks, uh, 1971, starring Angela Lansbury. The Strongest Man in the World, 1975. That is Escape to Winch Mountain, Return from Witch Mountain. Those are, you know, uh, 1975, 1978. Um, the Apple Dumpling Gang, 1975, starring Don Knotts. Uh, very good. The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again from 1979. Freaky Friday, the original 1977 film that the that the uh, Lindsay Lohan movie was a remake of. It's going to have all the Muppet movies on there. The Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper, The Muppet uh, Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. Heavily recommend all of them, particularly the original Muppet movie. Uh, love it. Uh, the Black Hole, 1979, uh, f infamously a huge Disney flop that lost them a lot of money and almost bankrupted the entire company. Cult classic, heavily recommend it. Tron. What's the name of that movie again? The Black Hole. Oh, okay, got it. Tron, 1982. Uh, Return to Oz, 1985. <laughs> it's a it's a sequel to The Wizard of Oz that was made in the 80s, and it is dark and terrifying, and I couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, Mr. Boogity and Mr. Boogity 2, which were these made-for-TV Disney movies about this, like, Victorian era. It was basically like a kid's version of Nightmare on Elm Street. It was like a wow. kid's Freddy Krueger. Um, and I have vivid memories of watching this on TV when I was a kid. 
uh, and it was terrifying to me. And I want to go back and watch it, and it's probably just dumb and not scary at all, but I remember being terrified. Uh, Flight of the Navigator, 1986. Fucking watch this movie. It's a movie about a kid who gets abducted by a, uh, a flying saucer. There's an alien on the <gasps> flying saucer, and he learns about Earth's pop culture through the kid. He ends up be- he ends up being voiced by Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman. So there's a, a kid who gets abducted oh. by an alien. The alien is this robot guy. He he has the the voice and personality of Pee Wee Herman. He's actually voiced by Paul Rubens. The alien takes him on a magical adventure. Then he returns him to Earth, except for because of the space-time dilation, he gets returned to Earth like 10 years later. So he gets returned to an Earth where he just went missing and his parents just thought he had died. And he has to return into his life. And then the government takes him and does all these tests on him. So good. you got to watch this what movie. What is it called? It's called? Flight of the Navigator. Really Watch good. it. There's no way this is better than my date with the president's daughter. But keep that's going. on here, but it's way better than that. Oh snap! So I get the fuck out of here with that <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> that is, that is um, I love my date with three n- three men and a baby. 1987. Uh, Willow. 1988. Uh, Who framed Roger Rabbit? 1998. One of my favorite movies of all time. Watch it. Got to watch it. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. The Rocketeer. Shout out Eve Gordon. Yeah. The Rocketeer, Rocketeer, a great, a great, a great movie based on an old uh, radio serial from the 1940s, directed by Joe Johnston, who ended up directing Captain America: The First Avenger. So good. Uh, six Sister Act and Sister Act Two: Back in the Habit. Always about it. The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year. Wow. If you haven't seen Rookie of the Year, it's about a kid who breaks his arm and through some weird movie logic, when he gets his cast removed. He he it's so he has <laughs> like the pitching arm of a pro athlete. It's and like he gets drafted into about a pro. Yeah, it's like um, a he has like a rubber base, arm afterwards. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> Hocus Pocus, the Three Musketeers, underrated. Which one? Three Musketeers. <laughs> yeah, Hocus Pocus is like underrated. Three oh, Musketeers. Yeah. Three Musketeers. Wait, is that just just the Brian Adams song alone? Oh yeah, man. Uh, all for one. An awful love. Blank check, <laughs> 1994. Insane. Blank check, blank check oh was the. Oh god, yeah, so check. good. So there's there's a seminal screenwriting book that is like literally the thing where it's like if you want to write if you want to write screenplays, read this book. It's called Save the Cat. It was yeah. the guy who wrote it. Blank check was the only produced screenplay he ever wrote. This was the one movie that ever got turned into a movie that he wrote. Wow. Uh, Camp Nowhere, starring Christopher Lloyd, 1994. The Santa Claus, starring uh, Tim Tim Allen, yes, uh, 1994. Heavyweights, 1995, starring Ben Stiller. Oh, so good. Uh, Tall Tale, 1995, starring Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp. Uh, is that right? No, no. I feel no. like I'm mixing. That's some, Tombstone. I'm mixing Tombstone. With, <laughs> it's a movie about cowboys, and I forget. I, I literally I should have looked it up. I remember it. I remember liking it. I don't Sorry. remember anything about what it. What was the name again? Uh, Tall Tale. Tall Tale. A Kid in King Arthur's Court, 1995, starring the same kid from uh, Rookie of the Year, where he it's 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 based on a Mark Twain story called The Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, but it's about a kid who's on a Little League baseball team who gets zapped back to medieval times and interacts it's, with... It's Patrick Swayze <clears throat> as Pecos Bill. There we go. What is this? The guy who wrote Blank Check, just so we're clear, he also wrote Stop or My Mom. Oh, okay. Shoot. Well... Two. That's He's two. got two. He's got two. Uh, Tom and Huck, 1995, starring uh, 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 Jonathan Taylor uh, Thomas it, as Tom Sawyer, and then another guy that I think didn't end up going on to become a huge star playing Huck Finn. 
Uh, you like Jonathan Taylor? Thomas? No, I said much like. Oh, Jonathan much like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Thomas. Well, but he's like he's a he's a household name, or it was. Uh, Jack, nineteen ninety six, starring uh, starring Robin Williams. First Kid, nineteen ninety six, starring Sinbad. It's about. Oh a, my god! Yes, that was. Yeah, that. That was, that was what, a really what was good that movie? First Kid. Uh, first Kid. Okay. It's Sinbad is the is a Secret Service member who's assigned to protect uh, the first kid, and he bonds with him. I thought that was a movie I made up in my mind. Nah, that's a good <laughs> movie, man. Uh, one hundred and one Dalmatians. Uh, and uh, oh, oh, by the way, I didn't cherry pick the obvious ones. I didn't put all the obvious Disney movies that are going to be on here: Little Mermaids, uh, whatever. I, I I didn't add those because those are a given. <laughs> I'm cherry picking the slightly obscure things that I think you should check out. So I put the 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 1996 Glenn Close live action 101 Dalmatians movie on here because I think it's pretty good. So Jungle good. to Jungle starring Tim Allen. Good, um, great movie. Flubber the no the, 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 no, the, uh, no wasn't Jungle to Jungle the Brendan Fraser? No, no that's Tim, George that's of the Jungle. George of the Jungle. Uh, Jungle to Jungle is about so Tim Allen uh, he his he has a he, his his wife and and him have a child, but then she d- leaves him, divorces him, and goes and lives on some remote... It, the movie's low-key super, low super racist, but she goes to live on some remote <laughs> uh, I, like African island, and so for some reason, her son just becomes like a savage like her son is like a a, oh, a jungle boy whoa i don't um, know about a savage like 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 he becomes a he's like Mowgli, basically he grow up um, as like as one of the indigenous people and, yeah. and he takes on their their uh traits and then but he, you're trying to but the thing is you're trying to make it like pc and 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 like respectful but the, well, I mean, the he movie wasn't, the movie is not that he wasn't like a uh, the movie, like the when you is, say savage i imagine like people that are just eating other people and like the movie and, is like he jungle boy Oh yeah, he I mean it's city. not it's not it's not like PC at all, but it's not it's not like they made some weird stereotype about indigenous people or something. But yeah, his his son uh, he he has to basically take his son and take him to the he's a he's a hot shot like New York something this. or other, yeah. okay, and he has to take his like jungle boy son to the city. Yeah. Um, and it's actually it's actually a remake of some like old French film. Oh. Uh, Flubber, like I said, Meet the Deedles, 1998, original Disney original movie. Uh, Brink, 1998, Fire. Disney that's, original that's movie. The one I was gonna ask for. Halloween Brink's Town, so Halloween yes. Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Yes. I did not put Halloween Town High on here. Fuck that, Halloween Town High. Oh, wow. Sorry, I love Xenon, that. Girl of the 21st Century. Yes. 10 Things I Hate About You, 1999, that's starring it. Heath Ledger and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, Smart House, 1999. Johnny Tsunami, 1999. Mom's movie. Got a Date yeah, with yeah, a Vampire, yeah, yeah. 2000. Phantom of the Megaplex, 2000. Always good. My Date with the President's Daughter. Facts. Fire. TV shows. There's Gummy. No, wait, there's no Airbud on there? I mean, that's a... Airbud's Air Air not Disney. Or not, it wasn't... Maybe it is Disney. It wasn't, on, know, it wasn't on the list. It wasn't on the list. For TV shows, uh, Gummy Bears is going to be on there. Boy Meets World. Bug Juice. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, the original 1987 show, and the 27 uh, reboot, which is amazing. Watch it. Even Stevens, Gargoyles, Goof Troop, Kim Possible, Muppet Babies, the original one. Uh, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. The Simpsons, because Disney bought Fox. So The Simpsons is going to be on Disney+. Plus. Craziest fucking thing I've ever heard (laughs) in my life. Ridiculous. Smart Guy, So Weird. The Spider-Man, the animated series, Tailspin, X-Men, the animated series. Those are the my cherry picked like smart guys. On? I absolutely yes. love I like smart, smart guy. guy. Okay, that was so let's, one of your brother my... is smart. <laughs> uh, Air Bud is kind of Disney. 
uh, it was Is it distributed. Miramax? No, it was uh, it was distributed by Bonavista. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, but it, it was made by Buddy Films, so it's like, and it's actually distributed by Buena Vista and Warner Bros. and Mallow Films. Whoa! So there's probably some kind of dispute there. A ten-year-old whiz kid busts a high school. A pugnacious little shorty with a thousand IQs got away with the ladies, and he's keeping it real. Your favorite little study buddy—he knows the deal, but he's still what? on the ball. A little clever. You could say he was bright, brainy, gifted. Whatever. Yo, brother is smart. He's a smart guy. Did it? Why do you know the whole song? That was his. That was the type of rap his parents was like. Yeah, that's cool. I have a that's photographic cool. memory. <laughs> parents pho- just don't understand. <laughs> I have a photographic memory, and all I did my entire childhood was watch TV. Uh, last couple stories. Uh, so, so uh, I feel I kind of feel bad about this now. I, I feel like I, I feel like I spent the I, I feel like I spent the first three episodes of this podcast just dunking on Say by the Bell. R.I.P. Sam Bobrick, creator of Saved by the Bell. Oh, he passed away at 87. This man was so much more than the creator of of Saved by the Bell. In fact, creating Saved by the Bell was the least important least interesting thing that he did. He had an illustrious career in television spanning back to the 40s. I cherry-picked Writer on the Flintstones, The Andy Griffith Show, Get Smart, Bewitched, The Tim Conway Comedy Hour, and many others. So many shows that are so much better than Saved by the Bell. So you're getting this Disney Plus streaming service. He, got he already has it. He already has it. Yeah, I double paid for it. He just wanted to watch Jungle Cruise. Yes. Uh, and then uh, uh, Robert Forster also passed away at 78. Legendary character actor. Uh, made his film debut opposite Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor in John Huston's Reflections and a Golden Eye. Uh, he was in Police Story, Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks, The Black Hole, the movie that I mentioned before. Uh, probably the, the his mo- most famous in t- to millennials, he was in Jackie Brown. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, had a few words to say about uh, Robert Forster. Today the world is left with one less gentleman. Uh, one less square shooter, one less good man, one less wonderful father, one less marvelous actor. I remember all the breakfasts we had at Silver Spoons, all the yeah. stories, all the kind words, all the support. Casting Robert Forster and Jackie Brown was one of the best choices I've ever made in my life. I miss you dearly, my old friend. R.I.P. R. Robert Forster. Great, great character actor. And he just did El Camino. He did El yes, Camino. Yes, yes, yes. Last thing he ever did, he died on the day he came out. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah, it's crazy. Very sad. I hope he got to watch himself. Yes, I hope you at least got to see a early cut of it. Um, And then, so the last story. I feel even kind of uncomfortable talking about this. We're going back to the Michael Jackson story? No. It it makes me feel equally uncomfortable. So there is a a University of uh, Seattle professor that I don't want to name because this isn't like a doxing or like a trying to like get people to like hate on this woman. Uh, But uh, she said... She in a in a recent uh, lecture that she did in a class, um, she said that SpongeBob SquarePants is uh, a racist whitewashing of history, and so her her logic on that. So so basically, uh, so she said that she said that the show SpongeBob SquarePants is an example of racist whitewashing in American culture. So SpongeBob SquarePants it takes it takes yeah. place it takes place in Bikini Bottom. That's the name of their town. Yeah. So Bikini Bottom is actually a sort of you know how sometimes in things like people will just like reference other stuff it's just like kind of an inside thing of like this is only going to make sense to a couple people but it's fun it's like a fun little reference in this easter egg yeah Mm -hmm. so the reason why it's called bikini bottom and once again this has nothing to do with the actual show this is just a little reference is infamously 
there was a nuclear testing site that was used to test atomic bombs called and it was called Bikini Atoll. It was this it was this just area where they would test <laughs> nuclear bombs out in the middle of the ocean. These testings displaced a lot of the people who lived in this area. They had they 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 displaced in the all these people. The middle of the ocean? No, the the, <laughs> the surrounding islands. They they were these people were displaced by the American government testing out nuclear bombs in the middle of the ocean. Okay. So the people that lived in surrounding islands, they 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 were basically like, yeah, your your water's going to be irradiated, and you know you're you're going to develop all these horrible cancers, or you have to just straight up leave this place. Okay. Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, mm-hmm. he named Bikini Bottom. Basically, with this sort of headcanon reference of like, in his mind, Bikini Bottom is at the bottom of the ocean where these nuclear testings happened. And the reason why all the characters are like these anthropomorphic talking animals is because they were mutated by nuclear testing. So SpongeBob SquarePants and Patrick, the reason why they're all these talking, like sort of humanoid characters is because they were mutated by the atomic bombs. But that's just in his head. That was just a little fun reference. That wasn't the actual story of the show. Yeah. I mean, if you ask a child, they're going to say it's at the ocean and bikini. I get it. It's yeah. at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. So so her reasoning, so so these are from her lecture. So billions of people around the globe are well acquainted with SpongeBob SquarePants and the antics of the title character and his friends on Bikini Bottom. By the same token, there is an absence of public discourse about the whitewashing of violent American military activities through SpongeBob's occupation and reclaiming of the bottom of Bikini Atoll's lagoon. SpongeBob SquarePants and his friends play a role in normalizing the settler colonial taking, uh, takings of indigenous lands while erasing the ancestral Bikinian people from their non-fictional homeland. Uh, the detonations do not cause concern for the characters as they did for the Bikinians, nor do they com- compromise SpongeBob's frequent activities like visiting hamburger joints or the beach with friends. Despite being presented as a nonsensical and harmless cartoon, SpongeBob shapes global perceptions of the actual place called Bikini and calls it, uh, she calls it disturbing that the show's creators did not understand that Bikini Bottom and Bikini Atoll were not theirs for the taking. Let's just put it, let, let's just Good say God. this. You could be too woke. Yeah. You could be too <laughs> smart. Be too you could get much. too deep into things. Yeah. And you know what? Go to sleep. <laughs> you you think a, a guy that does this for a living to make a voice, like he'd... Go to sleep. Really trying to whitewash that? It's a, we've had enough. <laughs> I have had enough. Yeah. This is just, I mean, it, it's, it's just, I, the things that she's saying is right. Like, the things she's saying about the, th- this was a terrible thing that the American government did. Right. Um, but none of this thought was gone into just naming this city, this town, Bikini Bottom. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was just, it was just a reference to a historical fact that Steven Hillenburg knew. Like, he was just like, oh, it'd be fun if, uh, I knew, I know this fact about how they tested nuclear bombs in this place. And I'm just going to come up with this hypothetical scenario of why this show exists, which is not part of the show. It's literally just in his head right. what he thought of. We've had enough. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a piece of trivia about SpongeBob SquarePants. It's not a show about this literal thing. It's just a piece of trivia about why he thought of the name. Jeez, this is why people don't like college. This is yeah. This yes, is why. that's the reason. So it's she's her. she Fuck. the things she's talking about are 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 legit, but she's just reading way too much into this show. I don't want to politicize this, and I don't want to say anything out of turn. I think like because I I don't want to be misinterpreted as saying that I don't care about the things that she's saying. They're they're legit, but 
fine. The idea of calling SpongeBob SquarePants racist whitewashing because Steven Hillenburg just had this thought and just in his mind named it after this is just absurd. It's, well, let's just put it like this. We'll never know because he's dead. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, uh, by all means, if you deem it so in your heart of hearts, please subscribe to the show. If you have a friend who uh, you think would appreciate being kept up to with the latest reboot, remake, and other nostalgic news every week, by all means, send them a link to this podcast and ask them to subscribe. Please, if you so deem it in the deepest depths of your of your heart of hearts, if you like the show and you think it's deserving, give it a five-star review on iTunes and leave a little bit of a comment about what you think about the show. If you don't want to do that, don't do anything. There's no need to give us a bad review. Why put that negative energy out into the world? That's right. Thanks for listening. Yeah.